with the headphones? No. But it was a trap, so I said, uh-oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's always a trap with Loki. Whenever I'm Loki, it's always a trap. Sorry about that. I hope my voice finds you well. Welcome back to my home. This is Cheshire's Place. As always, I am your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire. You can always find me in my small little corner of Internet Wonderland by clicking a like on the Facebook group page, Cheshire's Place, a looking glass in logical madness. You can always listen to this episode and all other content on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many other platforms. And if you ever feel like dropping a line, saying hi, or giving any thoughts or suggestions for upcoming episodes, feel free to email me at CheshireLookingLess at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Place Cheshire. So, I remember whenever I was a kid, and I think I mentioned this before, waking up Saturday mornings, watching old school cartoons, Starting off with the lineup on ABC, then moving to the lineup on CBS because it started a little bit later, then moving to USA Cartoon Network, 
finishing up with the shows on NBC and then going back to USA for a little bit of Kung Fu theater. So tonight, I figure that we, not just me, but we, take a look at some old school nostalgia with Kung Fu movies. Now, this can be anything, really. It could be Golden Harvest movies, Shaw Brother movies. It could even be some of the American cinematic Kung Fu and martial arts movies. But I do have to have proper introductions, though. First and foremost, I have to introduce the individual to my left. He is the OG. He is my ride or die. He is my brother from another mother. He is my hetero life mate. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Monkey. Monkey, how's it going? Oh, it's going. I'm alive somehow, trying to figure out how and why. But yeah, here I am. Yeah, he survived another attack from Canadian ninjas, so we're we're happy that he's here. Then, of course, I do have to introduce the Ravishing Viking. He is... I healed the Velvet Vanilla Viking. Well, no, 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 no. Remember, he's the Ravishing Viking. He is the Velvety Vanilla. He is the man with the outstanding beard that lets every man know that he is all that is manly. Let's give it up for J.J. Walkies. J.J., how's it going? I'm also here. I'm <laughs> doing well. So, wait, there's one other introduction that we have to do. Uh-oh. Oh, w- we can't forget about his introduction. No, no, no. Because if oh, we no, did, no, it no. wouldn't be a proper show. That's fair. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's beginning to get a little hot and steamy here in the Looking Glass Studios. As we introduce the international authority of the stage, he is the silver tongue devil. He is the sexual chocolate of internet of internet wonderland. Almost messed up on the intro, tantalizing the juices and pleasures of all the single women out there. One third of the triplet trio with Quincy Elliott, powerhouse Hobbs. Let's give it up for the one and only D Twizzle. Oh, way to just throw that one in there. Jeez. Where's the record? Where's the record skip when you need one? Because that that definitely called for a record. Everything was great up until that point. You just hear the record skip somewhere. See, I wish this was on Twitch or YouTube Live. That way we were able to see everyone's faces on that because he was getting into it. He he was like, Yeah. Yeah, I am. I like this. Yeah, that's it. I am that man. Yeah. And all of a sudden, one third of what? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'm trying to find a way to add in Sunny Kiss in there, too. Oh, you, come on, man. <laughs> but how you doing, man? <laughs> no, I'm doing good, man. Happy to be here. So, and also, just let y'all know, Miss Sally Stitch is in the studio with us, but unfortunately, I only have a setup for four mics. Yes. But you may hear her voice here and there, just just to pop in she, and out. She'll chime in. The information is uh, running amok. Yes. So yes. she can add more mucks to it. Yep. Yes. Oh, we should probably <laughs> get her on track. We should get her uh input on last week's episode. Matter of fact, Sally, did you listen to our episode for the Lust List? I haven't yet. No, no, here, come here. <laughs> She's like, I'm trying to relax. No, I have not gotten to it yet. <laughs> so for those who have heard our episode of the Lust List. Um, thank you. 
for not saying that we're chauvinistic pigs. Mm. You know, Speak we, for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> because we haven't had any negative feedback on it, so that that's a good thing to begin with. So thank you, everyone, that was listening to that episode. And to Miss Stitch and the Sirens Trio, um, y'all are going to have to listen to it to see how actually tame it is compared to what y'all did for Volume 1 and 2 of the cheat list. And the gauntlet has been thrown because she just said, wait until volume three. God, we're screwed. <laughs> Anyways. Well, we'll see. Uh, again, unfortunately, we, chaos, we, chaos. we can only go yeah. so far before we get the the proverbial <coughs> backhand of, you guys are being chauvinistic. You guys are being anti-women and, and you know, something well, like that. that. I figure that would make us pro-women as much as we're talking about. It. We're not talking about, like, throwing them off clips. This isn't, like... FML or anything oh, we're like not, yeah. we're not throwing you off cliff. No. But anyways, folks, I mean, thank y'all for listening and we will have volume two out in season six, definitely. It's gonna be something that we're gonna enjoy. But anyways, first and foremost, Monkey. That's me. I'm sure you have some news for us. I do. I mean, there was a l- this week was it definitely was, uh yeah, very um crazy, eventful week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's go ahead because <clears throat> it is Saturday night. It is time for our geektacular words of the sage monkey. Introducing Monkey Coconut News. Welcome to Monkey Coconut News. I am Monkey. So, a lot of um, unfortunate news this week for many, uh, starting off with some passings this week. Uh, the biggest one that a lot of people have heard and have hit a lot of people is the passing of uh, Kevin Conroy, the voice actor best known for playing Batman from the Batman animated series. Uh, he had apparently been fighting uh, cancer recently, and he was still doing his tours and in convention shots and whatnot, and he has passed away this Friday morning, Thursday night, I believe. And that is a big unfortunate news for everyone, who, especially many people who grew up uh, watching the Batman animated series from the mid '90s. Um, it is a very, very sad loss for all of us. Uh, another passing that has probably hit a lot of people in the. Uh, I guess you can call them a geek ca- uh, fandom, even just a, even just a, what's the word I'm thinking of? Pop culture world is the uh, passing of uh, prop comic Gallagher, who uh, many people might not recognize the name, but they've probably seen even just homages to him. Uh, he's best known for being the guy who would smash watermelons with a big sledgehammer on stage, and you know doing other weird comedy bits. So. Uh, no matter who people are, they, they've probably at least seen something of his or just seen even a reference to that in many of things. It was such a big pop culture thing in the uh, mid-80s, late-80s, early-90s. Any cartoon or show you watched, there was probably some reference to it at one point or another. Uh, other than that, um, there has been some other uh, interesting uh, developments that other uh, big companies have been taking... The uh, the lead that that Space Daddy Elon has, and has been a lot of uh, calls of layoffs coming up in a lot of big companies. Uh, Facebook itself has apparently laid off a 
about 11,000 employees recently as well um, because of uh, cost cutting and other things like that. Uh, Disney has also began some layoffs and hiring freezing due to uh, cost cutting and uh, low low profits from the recent quarters. So that's all uh, big things that are shaking and moving right now. Uh, but that is the uh, majority of the, the news that I have right now. But we, we are going to talk about something pretty interesting that we, we, we heard about as well. Uh, with, uh, as many people know, Kanye West's uh, recent, uh, I guess you can say, actions have reflected kind of some interesting things uh, to the point where we, we heard up recently about his private academy, which is the Donda Academy. Uh, they had a basketball team, and apparently uh, a lot of their players have left the school to the point where even, I believe, just even just this morning, they announced that the final players that were on the basketball team have transferred out. So they no longer have a basketball team, boys basketball team, that was competing, I believe, on the high school level. And they are now shelved the uh, the season a lot of other people are saying that it's been kind of off and on saying that the academy's closed, the academy's back open, closed, back open. But uh, we're going to talk some about this um, interesting academy. and Yes, we are. <clears throat> so, gentlemen, before we begin this one, because I have a feeling that there's going to be some choice words said here, just because we're going to be reading off the curriculum for the Donda Academy and discussing this. So we are going to utilize the highly simple clause because we will be saying some very unique, colorful words to it. Now, we're not going to dwell too much on this. I just want to want y'all to hear about this curriculum. And I'm sure y'all have been doing your research on the Donda Academy and everything relating to that. It's pretty much extremely secretive. It is based as a Christian academy. There is a $15,000 tuition fee for it. Um, Even like major stars like Keisha Cole, recently to everything relating to Kanye, well, Ye's outbursts about the Jewish community and everything that he's been saying, the anti-Semitic rhetoric and everything, she pulled her kid out of there. There's a lot of people being pulled out of there. And just as Monkey said, there's been a lot of uncertainty about the Academy. I mean, JJ, you even mentioned at one point, Kanye said, close the Academy, but the instructors want to keep it open, right? I think that's what I read on one of the news articles that I I saw briefly coming (laughs) into this. So, All right. So right now I actually have it up on the Donda Academy's actual website which if you want to take a look at it, it is www.donda.org and you spell Donda, D-O-N-D-A. So as a quick first reference information here, the yeah, the name ahead. of the Academy is, is actually named after Kanye's mother. Who yes. Obviously, as many people might remember, um, that his mom was very influential to him and, you know, one of his major supporters when he was younger. And obviously she was uh, very religious woman and instilled these religious I guess you could say uh, aspects to him initially and you know where he went from there 
we don't really know, but it's Kanye. So, yeah. uh, but so it is named after her in you know honor of her. But obviously, with all all the other things kind of going on, um, the initial curriculum thought process was kind of supposed to be in honor of her. So it obviously, it is a private Christian academy, which was pre K through through twelfth grade. So yeah. So <clears throat> I want to read their mission statement real quick, gentlemen, and I want y'all to chime in on this. Their mission is using an ethnic. Oh, sorry, using an ethic of integrity and care, Donda Academy prepares students to become the world's next generation of leaders, thinkers, and innovators by providing them with a world-class education that includes a rigorous core curriculum and an emphasis on st- sustainability, creativity, critical thinking, and problem solving. Now, nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. Nope. I mean, it sounds good. Yeah. I mean, a lot of... Christian academies, a lot of private schools do follow the same type of structure and mission statement. So going to this next part, which is the student experience. Our project-based learning model allows students to guide guide instruction based on their interests and skills. We promote ideation, prototyping, and real-world implementation. Donda students grow in their faith and community through daily all-school worship and celebrations at Sunday service. So, from this, I mean, yeah. It's a, it's a Christian school. True. At least that, you know, what the intent of it's behind, but... But looking at this picture I'm looking at here with the children's choir, and we've seen videos of Kanye's Sunday worship services on his ranch in California. Yeah. With them wearing white robes or like the silver potato outfits. Looking at this, the choir director is wearing a robe with a hood. And here's all these kids wearing robes with no arms. Y'all's thoughts? Like, take a look at this picture. No, I mean, it looks like they're wearing like little ghost outfits. But like, I I don't think I I know what, uh, what that may kind of. What kind of an image that might put in people's heads if they were to yeah. see that? I mean, yeah. yeah if you, I mean, I was kind of thinking it, but it's like you don't. It's not. It's not a direct, you know, one for one, but it's right. it's close enough that you could say was that <laughs> intentional, right? Which obviously, you know, based on on who opened the academy, you'd you'd expect otherwise, but. right? So. Clicking on the sports thing, it says, One team, one king. We are building the next generation of athletes with an innovative approach to faith and teamwork. Okay, I have no issue with that. What about y'all? No, no issue at all. I mean, sports is good. And, and I, I mean, I guess recently they, well, given recent events, they probably yeah. won't be able to participate in some of the uh, tournaments, unfortunately. Right. Then, of course, they have our staff. Our staff believes each scholar deserves an innovative and personalized education. Our experienced educators have an uncompromised passion for creating lifelong learners and and Christ followers. We work to engage and educate the whole student, mind, body, and spirit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. Nope. But something is just, something like underlining about this just seems kind of, what's the word I'm looking for here? Well, some of it too is because this thing is, 
originally new. It's not even accredited, and I think that's probably the biggest. Yeah, the biggest thing. It's not accredited, so you got these people going to these schools, well, to this school in particular, and you're not sure if the stuff they're going to be learning is really going to be, you know, yeah, and it's yeah, going to be useful once they get out. So. Yeah, and that's one of the things about private schools is again they 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 don't have to follow the quote unquote base curriculum that most education systems follow. Right. And that's also another reason why a lot of these uh, private schools also, most of the teachers aren't certified. They're just, they teach whatever they're, they're teaching. Right. So they're not actually certified in whatever courses that they're teaching. And, you know, someone brought up a good point on an article, like with the teaching staff, because on here it says that there's going to be a 10 to 1 student to teacher ratio. Then, of course, about 12 students per class. Yeah. Pre-K, pre-kindergarten to 12th grade. Now, some of these teachers may be actual teachers. They may be accredited. They may have, like, tons upon tons of learning experience. But we don't know because how secretive this is. Like, LeBron James, he has three academies open. But on the page, you have a listing of the faculty. You see mm-hmm. the curriculum. Everything is laid out. That way, people know what they're getting themselves into. Mm-hmm. Looking at this, there is nothing relating to who the principal is or any of the staff members. Like, looking at these pictures here. Like okay, I see this middle this middle picture where the child where the children's choir is practicing, but it looks like they're practicing in a warehouse, dusty warehouse. Yeah, and they're all dressed the same. It's almost like very children of the corn esque to mm. me. I mean, I'm looking at this. Um, I mean, because you look at this one and you compare it to like LeBron James's school, and it's just a lot more inviting. Yeah. Like, you get, like, names of people. Like like you said, names of people. You get, I mean, granted, school's been around a little bit longer. But he actually took time and researched what to do. He had a vision for it. You know, granted, yeah, Donda Academy is still new. But the one thing that I want y'all to to listen to, Donda in a Day. Each day, Donda students learn fundamentals, growth in their faith, and experience two enrichment classes. What are these enrichment classes? Hmm, enrichment. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Then the daily schedule, full school worship. Now, granted, even with Christian academies, I mean, most Christian academies don't do a, like, they do, like, worship services or prayer at the in the morning, okay, you know, because... The focus is the education. Yeah. Like, and I can kind of speak to this because I was someone um, going to like middle school and stuff. I went to a Catholic school out in Detroit called uh, St. Matthew's. And, uh, you know, it's, I guess, you know, being at Catholic school, there was tuition and things like that attached to it. But um, a lot of times, yeah, there was, there was focus on education. And yes, we had moments, you know, that we would like go to you know, like a mass or a church service through like the middle of the week and things like that. But um, I always felt that it was very transparent. Um, there wasn't really too much like 
you know, weird things are still going on. The faculty and the members there were really good people, um, you know, and then going from there to like, I went to like another uh, Lutheran school, kind of like the same vibe. There wasn't a, like a lot of like hush hush when, you know, we came to places, like <coughs> that, you know, uh, we right. didn't necessarily have like any like morning worship. I think we just had something like the principal would say at the beginning or something, maybe like a Bible verse or something like that, but nothing really out the ordinary, you know? And so, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like in my experiences going to, you know, Christian schools for a little bit, you know, I don't really have any too bad negative experiences from it, but right. this one just seems a little bit more closed. Cause usually, even if you have something like a, you know, religious school, there's, you know, it's tied to something bigger, whether it's like right. a different type of um, uh, conference or association or something like that. Because that, that would be my only thing is because, um, not to get too much into it, but even from like a theological perspective, it's like what exactly of Christianity are you actually teaching them? Because you have to be really careful when it comes to that aspect because you don't really have those checks and balances when it comes to you know, most of those schools, because if it's Lutheran, then the Lutherans associated with like a bigger, like the uh, ELCA or something. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. But you know, you just can't slap like a, a Christian label on it and then just go on about your business. Or it's usually a lot more. There's some sort of, yeah. Underlying principles that'll kind of tie everything together. And exactly. at the very least, like there is, there's usually a, like a church or something yeah. attached to the school. You know. Matter of fact, monkey. That's me. What's up? Research Kanye West's church. Engage. <laughs> because crack, crack research team, go. Yeah. <laughs> because because <laughs> while we discuss this, I want to continue. I want to read their daily schedule. Okay. Actually, as a quick um, heads up here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the actual principal of the school yeah. is uh, Brianne Campbell. All right. And she apparently has a master's uh, from... Uh, Pepperdine University. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. And Happy. she was, apparently she had previously worked as an actress and a choir director. So that was what her background was before becoming the principal here. And let's see here. Huh, so she was an actress before? Yes. What was so, her master's in? Uh, it doesn't say. just okay. says that she, she's, she was a master's student from Pepperdine University. That makes you <laughs> wonder. But the daily schedule. Full school worship. Core classes of language, arts, math, and science. Where's, like, social studies? Where's health? Where are the other subjects at? Oh, that comes in later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. Lunch and re recess. Of course, because lunch and recess are important. And if you actually take a look at certain pictures of Donda Academy, it looks like they're eating in a warehouse. And we'll talk about the uniforms here in a minute, too. Because I noticed something in the pictures. Um, enrichment courses, including world language, visual art, film, choir, and parkour. Yeah. Yes. Parkour, parkour. Mm. So I'm looking at this. World language. What language or languages? I think they said Japanese. Why? Japan? Okay, I wouldn't mind Japanese. Mm -hmm. But you would think... There should be more languages involved, a selection for the students. Visual art. Well, this covers 
this is a very blanket type topic. I mean, what is visual art? What type of visual art curriculum are they teaching in this? Hmm. I mean, are they yeah, is it like I think they're like paintings, or is it graphic finger paintings, visual, yeah. like digital? Yeah, it's kind of like exactly. I don't know. Like maybe. I would imagine it might be you know the scope of those you know collectively, probably, if, especially if they're going to be teaching it over multiple years or multiple semesters, right? Then of course film. Which that's, it can be kind of a broad subject yeah, because like, of, you know, you've got the, the camera operators, you've got the microphone operators, you've you, got the actors and actresses, you've yeah. got directors, directors, producers, writers, set designers, yeah. set, uh, set crew. I'm uh, trying to make Kanye's manager, next music video. Yeah. It would be, that would probably explain. <laughs> that would be funny. It's just thinking so that's, like him that's doing, your, that's your end of the year. It's cheap labor because yeah. it's like you don't have to pay a bunch of grown people to produce these music videos. K5 <laughs> students are making the graphic design. Like, Timmy, Timmy, camera up here on my face. Costume. Then, of course, choir because, yeah, Kanye, sorry, yay. Yeet. We have to remember he did change his name. You know, sound like something you say when you sit down and like on a tech. So, sounds like yeah. the, uh, the 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 Uso is talking there. That's the oh Uso. <laughs> we'll get in that later. But parkour, hardcore parkour. I mean, yeah, we know that they have a basketball team. Yeah, they don't mention anything about gym or athletics. Parkour is something parkour that is I don't gym. think you would really <laughs> particularly be able to implement when you're on the basketball court because there's nothing that you would grab onto and jump off of aside from uh, the backboard. Opponents. I'm just saying, like, you're dunking on people. <laughs> you jump off the ball, like, ah. I mean, this is... Yeah, that's a foul. Like, looking at Roll this, through somewhere and people are like, the hell? Like, looking at this, this is just... It's very vague mm-hmm. oh, yeah. on everything. Just like Kanye. No, I mean, Kanye is the type of person that will let his thoughts flow. Yeah. And, you know, okay. But like, what do you mean, bro? What you know, do I mean? Okay, decent intentions starting the academy. Yes. yes. But overall, what is the grand scheme? To me, with how secretive, sorry, secretive it is, it just seems like a big cash grab. And a lot of, and he's relying on a lot of people that he knows famously that he's worked with. To bring their kids to his school. Okay, so I've done my crack research. Okay, what we got? And the best I can find about his, I guess you could say his church, or his, at least uh, his uh, religious followings, apparently it is, they are Armenian churches, all the ones that, apparently everything that is coming up on here. Mm. Like even uh, the baptizing of his kids were all at, an Armenian church of some sort. Armenian um, church, okay. That him and Kim's son, North, was actually baptized at the Armenian Apost- ah, Apostolic Church mm. and at the Cathedral of St. James in Jerusalem. So they actually went to Jerusalem for that. And um, all the other kids were at the uh, Exemiedzin Cathedral. And the mother church of the Armenian church. So, that is based out of blah, 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 blah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, in Armenia. So, <coughs> so 
right. that is all the the stuff I have. So, so on, on his on his religious, uh, I guess you say followings, other than him being uh, you know born again Christian, up and whatnot, and so, being rebaptized and all that good stuff. So, all right. So I actually found an article on Fox Twenty Nine. Uh-huh. Talking about this, and this actually came out on the 4th of this month. Just, just verifying here. Uh-huh. Um, so, as I mentioned before, $15,000 at the private Christian school. And parents allegedly have to sign an NDA, yep. a non-disclosure mm. agreement. Now, D-Twizzle, JJ, have y'all known Christian schools to have people sign an NDA for anything? No. Not, not as far as I'm aware. No. Okay. So, this is mainly talking about Chuck Bailey the Third. He's one of the most sought-after high school basketball players. He was one that actually went to Donda Academy because they were looking for basketball players, and they were pulling in different people from across the nation that were prospects. You know, they talked that... They, they were promised um, nil deals, exposure, and other opportunities, you know, financially while on the path, while his, while Chuck the Third would go on his path to the NBA. But it seems that a lot of stuff here, yeah, there, there's quite a bit here. Okay, I did happen upon some of the curriculum you know, All right. In an All article right. by Rolling Stone. All right. Oh, Rolling Stone covered it? Yeah. Shout out to Rolling Stone for actually giving us this information. Thank so, you. Um, they sp- looks like they spoke to some of the administrators, um, Andrews and Yusuf, which I, they're earlier in this article. I didn't catch exactly who they are and what, what they're known for. Um, let's see if I can find it. Uh, do, do, do. So, all right, let's see here. All right, Tamar Andrews, consultant for Donda, with two decades of educate or experience in early childhood education programs, which was confirmed by Rolling Stone. And let's see if we can find Yusuf. Uh, Yusuf was. I'll find it here. No, no, take your time on this one. <laughs> yeah, because it seems like it's... Okay, Malik Yusuf, a producer and longtime collaborator of West's, who says he helped shape the school's concept and tells uh, the Rolling Stone that West is serious about the academy. School is by no means being done on a whim, part of his longtime vision, uh, saying that the rapper's five-year plan is to have several campuses across the country. And then... Uh, down below in the article where they actually discuss the different uh, classes or, or uh, parts of the curriculum. Um, the things that they talked about, unique programs for students such as fashion courses, Japanese, restorative justice instruction. I'm sorry, what, what, what huh? Restorative Justice instruction. All right, crack research team. What is and STEM classes, which would explain the science and math. Which okay, STEM is a big thing. There's a lot of STEM academies out there, so I have no issue with that. (coughs) But the fashion, 
Fashion's but, kind of an odd one because, I mean, it, I can see it kind of tying in with Yeezy, yeah. but... Well, there's also, like, all the visual arts things. Yeah. So it's like, obviously this is, uh, I, I guess you can say, more of a uh, an artsy academy as opposed to an academic academy. It's almost like he's setting these kids up to work for him later on down. The road. I think Which is a that, that's definitely, and I, I think the thing that reads the most like that has to come from the NDA. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if they're working on stuff that requires an NDA, you'd almost expect some of it to find its way into his portfolio of either fashion production, your music production, music videos, right? Any of that kind of stuff. Um, maybe if they work on a movie because of the film background, probably yeah. there, there might be some school production that gets released that he puts his name on. All right, what you got, D Twizzle? Uh, so restorative justice is an. This is actually coming from Wikipedia. So, but restorative justice is an approach to justice where one of the responses to a crime is to organize a meeting between the victim and the offender, sometimes with representatives of the wider community. The goal is for them to share their experience of what happened, to discuss who was harmed by the crime and how, and to create a consensus for what the offender can do to repair the harm from the offense. This may include a payment of money given from the offender to the victim, apologies and other amends, and other actions to compensate those afflicted and to prevent the <laughs> offender from causing future harm. This, this sounds like basically taking the person who commits a crime to court and then trying to do everything but send them to jail. Pretty much. It sounds it, more like a civil case than an actual criminal case. It, right. Okay, so at work, because we teach the students... Um, I'm trying to compose my thoughts before I bash this. I, I saw I saw the look you were the giving the moment you were hearing all this. That's why I started laughing. The, the fumes were coming out of his ears. He's like, stop. All right, so conflict resolution and management. What this is, it's just a more fancy term for conflict resolution and management. Is that what he said? Damn there. I'm trying to keep my composure on this one. I had composure once. Because, honestly, you know, and JJ, I mean, you work law. Mm -hmm. You know. I am the law. Pretty much. I'm not. <laughs> I know I people was law who once, once. But my thing is, why give it a fancy title when you can just say it's just adult conflict resolution and management without sending someone to jail? Honestly, this is a way of litigation. I, I think I think the the appeal is probably the the terminology that they're using. So, you know, conflict management. That's more of a, in in my view. That's more of a business term that gets thrown around. Yeah. Um, justice is definitely something that when you think of the law, that's a word that definitely comes up a lot more than conflict management. And it's more. I guess you say politically too. Yeah. You can use it more as a political basis of saying something as opposed to, oh, I want resolution found. No, I want justice found. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to leave it alone. I know I put up the clause and everything. I'm going to be good today. I'm feeling kind of spiritual today, not Kanye crazy spiritual. Don't say all this talk about Donna Academy's making you feel pretty spiritual. Huh? <laughs> no. Like, you know, I just want to go worship and do some parkour. 
Oof. The parkour maybe. Sometimes sometimes I, it'd be like that. I'm I'm perfectly fine if I never do parkour. I'll do the parkour. I'm I not gonna worship. Doing either. Yeah, that's just me. But anyways, I, I think it's safe to say that with everything that we've discussed and reviewed for just the scandals relating to Kanye's um choice words is affecting the future of this academy. And honestly, I know that the administrators are highly passionate about it. They want to keep it going, but it'll be hard for them to keep it going whenever the lead guy is losing traction and money because he no longer has his deals. The entire Yeezy clothing line no longer has the backing of Adidas. There's there's a lot of stuff going on with a lot of his more recent... Uh, run-ins with the media that yeah. that are really hampering his ability to follow this you know long-term plan that it seems that he he had at one point um, I don't know if it's something that he maybe didn't quite think through a lot of these you know well, outbursts yeah. but Kanye it, <laughs> what he didn't think through something yeah never I mean he's a genius yeah he rivals the skills of Jesus. Didn't he, he say has, that at one he point? Has dragon energy. Don't forget, he, he he was the one that during the Hurricane Katrina aid was standing there next to Mike Myers and it oh, blurs yeah. out. President Bush doesn't like black people. Yeah, I remember that. that. Kanye? Yes, yeah, that was that Kanye. Kanye. And of course, Mike Myers is the center like. Uh, what? The what? I wasn't in just kind of like scoot uh, off to the side. Yeah. Like I don't. Nobody sees me here. I am not part of this. I'm not privy right. to any of this. Nope. Just leaving it all alone. But anyways, folks, let's switch gears real quick. Gear switch, got it. Mainly oh, due to nice. fact lead that, into nice yeah. transition. Yes, thank you. Because we do have to talk about AEW Full Gear 2022 because that is coming up next Saturday. Uh huh. So let's talk about the card real quick, and we're going to do a quick predictions here. Granted, we're not going to spend like a lot of time on this because, you know, we do want to get to the main topic tonight, which is going to be Kung Fu fu movies, martial arts movies. Kung Fu theater. Yep. That's actually going to be the title of this episode is actually Nostalgia Kung Fu Theater. Oh, no, no. It's going to be Nostalgia versus AEW, Donda, and Kung Fu Theater. Donda versus Full Gear versus... (laughs) <laughs> All right, so nice. this this is the card that we have currently, and this is actually on AllEliteWrestling.com. So, and mind you, we still have the title eliminator, you know, finals that will be going on. Also, the semifinals too, right? I don't know, something like that. So, somewhere, it's like the semifinals and the finals are going to be on that night. Well, I think the semifinals are going to take place on, over... Uh, Dynamite Rampage next week, and then the finals okay. is going to be at all. But we're going to see some interesting stuff here, but let's talk about the matches. Now, recently it was announced for Luchasaurus versus Jungle Boy in the Steel Cage match. Now, for those that follow AEW, we know that Luchasaurus has Christian Cage on his side. You know, he is the right arm of destruction, or right hand of destruction. Okay. Sorry. Or right hand of masturbation. I know where that joke was coming, monkey. But yeah, come on. Now. Anyway, it's still funny. <laughs> I'll show you the right hand of destruction. Whoa, on whoa, whoa, you whoa. put that thing away. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, whatever you and D Twizzle do on y'all's private time, oh, hey, please no, don't. Hey, there's no, no loot. Make me into this, man. You know? this is, 
Mm-mm. Look, we all know that Quincy Elliott watches anyway, so it's all good. I don't care about that. <laughs> It's it's all family. It's not family. I don't. It'd be funny if Quincy Elliott actually caught this episode and some of the other ones too. I don't think he's. I don't think that person's too tied up with whatever. But anyways, doesn't listen to this. You never know. We may get a surprise and actually have someone famous listening. Aside from you know our good friend Winston Roundtree. Yes. Because you know he does listen to our episodes, which is amazing. 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 Thank and, you, Winston. Yeah, thank you, Winston. Thank you. All right, so Lichasaurus versus Jungle Boy. We're going to do round robin, and we're going to give our predictions. So I'm going to give it up to the major AEW fanboy, D-Twizzle, first. <laughs> so Lichasaurus, Jungle Boy, still cage match. Who do you have winning this? Oh, I got the Jungle Boy. He's going to come out there, go smash, especially for the simple fact that we're not going to have uh, Cage in there interfering and trying to do anything crazy with this one arm no cage in the cage Got yeah it. exactly no <laughs> cage. it's just a full still cage and he is not invited to the cage party all right okay okay so one for jungle boy yep all right jj what you got um well again i'm still working my way back into having even a semblance of an idea of who who these wrestlers are especially uh. since i i the only tie into AEW I have is anybody who used to wrestle for the WWE. So. Right. Um, but just based on their names, we're, we're going to give it to Jungle Boy. And as a quick side note, this is something you might find interesting. Uh, Jungle Boy's real name is Jack Perry. He is actually the son of Luke Perry, oh, the actor. Yeah, yeah, cool. Looks like his daddy and everything. Well, except for the long, crazy hair. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Monkey? Well, um, I'm going for the trifecta here. Going to say Jung Boy as well because uh, he's he's due for the to get over this hump and hopefully this will put get away from this feud and hopefully put him into some kind of title shot of either the TNT belt or you know something else. Let's see what he does. So I'm actually going to agree yeah. with everyone, and the reason why I'm going to agree with it is because. Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, he deserves a win on this one. Because for the longest time, Christian Cage has been messing him over. Luchasaurus has been messing him over. And, you know, there has to be some type of closure coming up with this. And they don't... And (coughs) Ah, sorry about that. There has to be some type of closure. Now, granted, a while back they were going to allude about why Marco Stunt left into the story... And I just have like this weird feeling, even though Marco Stunt says that he isn't going to be involved with AEW anymore, blah, blah, blah. I have a feeling he's going to show up sometime. But overall, I'm going to give it to Jungle Boy. You know, try to get closure with this, but AEW's history of long-term booking is going to strike here. And I have a feeling there's going to be one final incident with these individuals. All right, so the next match. For the AEW TBS Championship, Jade Cargill, who is the reigning defending champion without a belt, yes, versus the native beast, Nyla Rose, who stole the belt from Jade. So, kicking it off to Monkey first. Saba. Nyla or Jade, who do you got winning this title match? Well, 
as much as uh, I, I can say Jade has shown improvement over the wilds here, she's still not looking like she should be, you know, at this point in, in, in the game. Um, so Nyla Rose is going to be her, obviously, biggest competition she's had, considering Nyla's a former women's champion. Um, but I think Jade is just going to win it just because it will put a quash to Nyla for a while here, and maybe they can get someone else in here to finally start working toward uh, ending Jade's undefeated streak. Yep. <coughs> All right, JJ, what do you got for us? Um, This would be basically a coin toss for me because um, I, I can't even find an image of who these people are. <laughs> what? No. But uh, ha- have D-Twizzle like, help you with his yes, crack research my team. my crack research team will assist you. With he probably has endeavor. like five or six tabs on Jade right now ready well, to go. You know, I, well, we all know who the apple of my eye. Yes, yes. Thicky, thicky cream boat. Yum, yum, yum. Eat them up. That's what I call Okay. <laughs> That's Jade. And then, gotcha. oh, yep. And then Nyla Rose. Uh, it's this one. So. Okay. Yeah. So who do you think uh, is going to win? We're going to go with Jade. Um, half of it. I, I can see on, on the AEW website that she is the champ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You know, that gives her, I think, a leg up to what extent. I guess I'm not 100% on that. But um, other than that, she she appears to be probably a little bit more, uh, what's, what's a good way of putting this? Athletic? Yes. <laughs> there goes that just, word. Just based on, just based yeah, on. Nyla's mixed, so uh, she's part athletic. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, <laughs> continuing. She 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 looks like she could possibly be able to run circles around Nyla. So typically, yeah. if if that's possible, then then you know. Yeah, and it's been a the the current story is basically that you know she's she stole the title from her, and then she's basically being held off by security to, from getting her title back from her. Yeah. By her own little private security before she got apparently. Yep. All right, D Twizzle. Um. Well, first I want to say this has actually been a pretty good story for the most part. I know knock against AW is that you know they're not doing as much setup, but this has actually been pretty fun. And out of all the people they could have worked with, Nyla's like really good as far as like her in ring work and everything, and even just some of like the side. Little stories, you know, and she has a little gift for like little improv and stuff like that. So, um, but with that being said, I, I have a feeling that Jade probably will come out with this win. It's just like, but this should be a very entertaining match just for the simple fact that we actually have more of a story behind it. So this should be pretty good. I'm, but I'm, I'm going to go with Jade for this. So I'm okay because we already know that Jade is undefeated. It's what 51, 52 and 0 right now. I've lost 439. No, it's 50, it's in the 50s. It's oh. like 54, 55. Her last More victory like 40, but yeah, know, like I was 18, say like 50. Uh, 18, like you know, rematches with other people. So it is like 50, but yeah, it seems like it's only like really 35, 40, kind of like the Goldberg thing, you know? Yeah, so. As much as I'd like to give it to Jade, I have a feeling that Nyla's actually going to pull it. Oh. Because the thing is, 
eventually they want to get Jade away from that belt to the championship and build her up to be the actual women's champion. Mm. Like giving her this run, giving her the undefeated streak overall, it's a good strategy. They're building her up. And I think it's due time that she gets away from the TBS title and actually starts pushing towards the actual women's championship. Yeah, I could see that. And that was my only downside to it because personally I was thinking that she was going to drop it. It was going to be to Chris Danlet whenever she would come back. But so that's, know, that's still many months away. If if not a full year away because we don't we know that she's mobile. But, you know, she's still recovering. And at one point you even said, "Oh, you know, maybe Jamie Hader would do it." But honestly, the best person to do it would be Nyla. Because she is a former women's champion. You know, up until this point, they haven't really done too much with her. And I know that she was getting upset. Because, I mean, technically she would be considered one of the foundations of the promotion. Or at least the women's division. Yeah. So it works to put her in something that's actually going to be worth it, storyline-wise. So I have a feeling Nyla's going to pull it. Mainly because, A, you want to keep Nyla happy. And, B, you want to groom Jade to move up into the next position and the next area of her career. All right. Yeah. So, speaking of women moving up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> hey, you know, I, that, that video was always amazing. But um, talking about Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. And you versus fingered motion, didn't you? You had to do it. Yeah, just like how you always have to do the freaking Ricky Starks pose. I don't know what you're talking about. Bullshit. <laughs> you, know you know what? I'm going to be nice. We still have the claws up. God damn it, monkey. <laughs> so, Dr. Brett Baker, DMD, versus the returning Soraya. Yes. Now, for those who do not know who Soraya is, she was Paige back in WWE. So this is Soraya's first match in a number of years, coming back from a very gruesome neck injury, you know, similar to what John Cena had and Edge had, even Corey Graves, because Corey Graves is trying to make his way back to the ring eventually. So this one's going to be very interesting. And JJ, I'm going to start with you real quick. Dr. Brett Baker, Soraya, first time singles match in AEW. Now, granted, it's not their first time actually meeting, because I think they did have a couple of matches before, didn't they? I don't think they actually have had matches before, but I know that they've at least interacted at one point or another Yeah, when uh, Britt Baker was on NXT for a little bit. Yep. All right, so, JJ, oh. who do you think is going to win this? Uh, hmm. 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 Oh, my. Could be anybody. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> judging by. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It seems like, just quickly reading over their bios, uh, Soraya's probably got a little bit more overall wrestling experience, but that doesn't always translate into, you know, being being the, the one that they're going to push. True. So, um, I guess I'll give this one to Britt Baker. Oh, just okay. on a whim. Okay. All right, all right. Um, 
Let's go with D Twizzle. Brett Soraya. Who do you think is gonna win? Um I think I'm gonna go with Soraya on this one. Um just because that'd just be an amazing comeback story for her to be able to come back after, you know, years and years of her not being able to um you know, be able to perform and stuff like that. But right. it's um you know, I'm I'm liking some of the build up. You know, some people are kind of knocking some of the promos because they're almost turning into like a look at look at me, look at me type of thing. But um, no, I think this will be good. It'll be good for Britt to finally have somebody who can actually match her on the mic for once and be able to talk circles around her. So I'm going to give this uh Soraya. All right, Monkey, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going with uh, Soraya on this one only because it's, it's her return match, and they they are trying to basically build it up as you know her being the focal point of the quote unquote women's revolution in AEW. Even though they've kind of already been out there doing their thing, um, so they're probably gonna give it to her. It's probably gonna be a quick match because again, even though they claim she's cleared, it's still a touch and go thing on. How cleared is she really? Right. And, you know, if she was cleared all this time, why did WWE let her go? You know, it's, uh, it's a touch-and-go thing, and I think she's going to basically just get a quick match in, and something crazy is going to happen, and she'll she'll get the win and, you know, be like, oh, look, it's my house, it's my house, Paige here. <clears throat> you, know? you know, just as so long as another video doesn't pop up with her and other wrestlers. Oh, did I say that? Oh, Granted, no, remember, Soraya is now married to um, some drummer for some band. I think it's, uh, what's it, behind, no, not behind the veil. Who the heck is it? It's some it's, it's some beer band. I don't know. All I know is that they're the ones that do this on fight song. That's why she's using it, because. Yeah. Uh, falling in reverse. That's it. Yeah. There we go. All right, so my pick for this, I have to give it to Soraya. Because it is her return match, it is a big deal. Having her come in and lose her first match wouldn't be smart well, booking. Well, it is AEW. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, it wouldn't be smart smart booking. But then again, just to see that swerve a little bit, to see Britt win it, that would be interesting, too. And what they could play off with that. But, yeah, I'm going to give it to Soraya. All right, the next match is the Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Sting and Darby Allen tag team match. Uh, I guess I'll start off on this one. Oh, sound like someone doesn't sound too happy about the match. It, it someone doesn't want to put their commentary you, 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 you wouldn't say anything about See, it. okay, this is my thing, and this is how I see this playing out. It's going to be Jeff and Jay winning. And it's going to cause Darby Allen to turn on Sting. No. Or vice versa. What? I have a feeling there's going to be some type of swerve here. Swerve. Swerve's in a different match. Animosity. Well, I know that much. Yeah. Well, no, because <laughs> the thing is, Sting, you have to remember Darby's vignettes about wanting to go it alone. Yeah. I remember those. So I have a feeling, and also with Jay or you know, Jeff Jarrett and that entire beat down, what, last week of Darby? Mm. Saying that Sting's the weakness? It's foreshadowing that, to me, that Darby's going to turn on Sting. So I'm going to give the win to Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. 
But after the match, Darby is going to turn on Sting. That's not going to go very well. It's going to be crazy. Darby's like 120 pounds soaking wet. True, but I have a feeling something stupid is going to happen here. Maybe, and it, maybe Darby doesn't actually want to go it alone, but has already picked somebody to swap out. Yeah. yeah, he'll go join the House of Black. That might be a possibility, actually. That's what I'm thinking. Because I know that they alluded a while back that Sting was going to be the new leader of House of Black, you know, around the time that Malachi Black was having, you know, his moment to leave and everything. Mm-hmm. But having Darby join the House of Black would be interesting. And plus, again, Darby and uh, Brody King do have history behind with each other. Yeah, so. not only as competitors, but as a tag team. So that would be, it would be an interesting dynamic. I mean, we already have the Kings of the Black Throne with Malachi and Brody King. Mm-hmm. But seeing Brody King and Darby tag, mm-hmm. that's going to be insane. Or even Buddy and and, uh, and Darby. That'd be interesting. Like, there's a lot of different ways they can do this. But it'd be like an all-black four-way, man. Why it got to be a black four-way? Because they're House of Black. Yeah. A- anyways. Jeez, black man. on black on black on black. Why you gotta be hating <laughs> on the blacks? Goddamn monkey. Black is a good color. Anyways, so monkey, your choice on this? Um. Well, I would say this much. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal do probably have the 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 looks that they should be winning this match, but it is Sting. So I'm thinking Sting and Darby are probably gonna win it still. But the there might be that sort of at the end where Darby will turn on Sting because he doesn't want him to 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 be his <coughs> quote unquote crutch, right? But then you know he'll he'll turn and, and join the House of Black because that would make the best sense of everything for him. Yeah, and that would also be his first quote unquote you know heel turn that I've ever seen of him because he's always been a babyface almost everywhere he's been. Yeah, evolve, defy. Yeah, I can see that. So, and that would probably keep him kind of somewhere in check at least, or at least keep him doing other things. And that would be my, my, my call on it. And then that frees Sting up to go do his magic with Muda in New Japan. Yep. All right. So, JJ, mm-hmm. your turn. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Sting and Darby Allen in this tag team match. Who do you have? Sure. Um, again, not overly familiar with. A lot of the competitors. I mean, I recognize Sting primarily by name and like makeup, mm-hmm. but um, I guess I'll give this to to Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Okay. My my gut says that you know that's probably you know what would provide the most entertainment and potential right. for for uh, ongoing storylines from the sound of what everybody else has had to uh, kind of pitch in, so. All right. And D-Twizzle, your choice for this match. Um, It's kind of hard for me to go against Darby. I like a lot of his matches and things like that, but I'm going to go, I am going to go with uh, Darby and uh, Sting for this one. No, no, it still doesn't mean that some of those other shenanigans may or may not happen, but um, I'm going to kind of lean on that. On that side, I think, because Lethal has been getting a couple of wins lately, and I feel uh, I think it's about due time for uh, for that to come 
for the uh, other matches to come in. Oh, All right. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, just a side note. Apparently, uh, your boy Pinhead's been narrating some of the uh, promos for uh, House of Black recently. Doug Bradley? Yeah. Oh. Only. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I was just kind of looking this up, and they were saying, like, yeah, Doug Bradley's been narr- narrating a lot of uh, the recent uh, promos and stuff, so just kind of cool, kind of. That means we need to rewatch these promos, Monkey. Knowing this information because, wow. Yeah. Shoutouts to Doug Bradley, the horror icon. That's that's kind of what's been going on. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, what's his name? Malachi Black, but it did sound like it was a little too clean English to, to be. Right. With his Dutch accent, so. All right, here we go. So now we have the four-way match for the ROH World Championship. Chris Jericho, the Ocho, being the champion versus Brian Danielson versus Claudio Cascanoli versus Sammy Guevara. So, Tim, two members of the Blackpool Combat Club, two members of the Jericho Appreciation Society. This actually may be the match of the night. Maybe. Because all four of these individuals, and we know within the storylines, the Jericho Appreciation Society is trying to break up the Blackpool Combat Club because there's a lot of animosity between Danielson and Wheeler Yuta. And, you know, they're, they're trying to elude that the BCC is going to break up. So Dtwizz, I'm going to start with you. Who do you think is going to win this match? Jericho, Danielson, Cascanoli, or Guevara? Actually, I want Danielson. I think Danielson is going to actually come out on top. You know, I, and granted, Danielson is the type of person who like needs a belt to be able to be effective. But um, I think that if anybody's going to be able to get his revenge, it should be Danielson. And I think he will be the one who ends up pinning Jericho, so he'll get the pin on Jericho to basically win it. Um, you know, but I think it's going to be, I think what's interesting is that they did put Claudio in that match, you know, instead of Wheeler Yuta, just because there's already tension. So I thought that, you know, that there might have been a little bit of that. But I mean, you got Danielson basically going against two people he's already went up against. So, so I think they'll, it'll be a weird finish, wacky finish, but I think. Danielson will come out on top. All right, JJ, who you got? Sure. Um, well, with this fight, so it's four competitors, one fall, only only one yep. in to win. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, anytime somebody's got a belt in a match, you know, I, I would say that they've got a substantial shot at maintaining. Um especially somebody who's got a lot of charisma like Chris Jericho. Uh, that said, I actually was thinking kind of the same thing as, as D twizzle. Um, since it sounded like, Oh, well you, you said, you know, two people from one yep. faction and two from another. I have no reason to believe that, um, the, the person in Chris Jericho's faction and that's, Brian Danielson? Uh, Guevara. Oh, Guevara. Guevara. Is, is okay, so I'll, I'll say Guevara, possibly. That, that'd be an interesting little shake-up. And that, I think that's what they're kind of teasing, because he, he did do the, uh, you know, when it comes down to, you're going to do the right thing, Jericho said to him. On yeah. So somebody might be trying to pin Jericho, yeah. and then Guevara's going to interfere, and mm-hmm. then I don't know who 
Guevara is going to pin, but we'll we'll say that he gets the the win on this one. Okay. Intriguing. Intriguing. All right. So, monkey, who you got? Well, I'm going to go in a little different direction here, and this is mainly because of how I look at it. For I guess you can say um, the future of Ring of Honor, because it is the Ring of Honor title that's on on the line here. <coughs> and this is the same thing a lot of people have been saying with why Jericho got the title in the first place. So I'm going to say Jericho's going to maintain the title, and this is because this is going to build up to them working towards getting that TV deal for a Ring of Honor show because since they still don't technically have a Ring of Honor show, uh, they want to have someone that's recognizable to everyone um, and when they, when they market it. And Chris Jericho is obviously the most recognizable of the group here. Um, yes, uh, Brian Danielson is recognized as being Daniel Bryan as well. Uh, Claudio might be slightly recognized as being Cesaro. Uh, Sam McVar, not very much recognition. But Chris Jericho, almost anybody and everyone who's watched wrestling over the last 20 years knows who Chris Jericho is. So uh, Jericho has the most potential to be a fronthead uh, runner for, for the show. And that's the reason why Chris Jericho would maintain the title. And, of course, it, it will probably be some animosity in there where, you know, Jericho will probably be getting pinned by someone. Guevara will break up the pin. And then Guevara will try to go for a pin on Jericho. And Jericho will be like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And But then, you know, it will still come down to the point where Jericho will get the pin on somebody, whether it be Sammy Guevara or even just on Brian Danielson or Claudio again. Which, you know, sadly, it hurts the all, all other people in the match. But... To uh, make it more, I guess you can say, sellable, marketable for a Ring of Honor show, Jericho has to maintain the title. You know what? Oddly enough, I'm going to actually agree with JJ. Mm. I have a feeling it's going to be Sammy to win. And I'm going to agree with you on a certain point. I believe Sammy would pen Jericho. That would make sense. I have that feeling. Now, of course, this is a predictions, you know, segment. And as we know, predictions can be right or wrong. I may be completely wrong on this, but I have a feeling it will be Sammy Guevara and it will be on Jericho for the pin. Just because it's something that we wouldn't expect. And I have a feeling that putting the belt on Guevara would make for a little more interesting storyline within the Jericho Appreciation Society. Because how they're trying to destroy BCC, they're going to end up imploding. Almost like the inner inner circle. So I see that going that way. They're going to have to change name to the GAS. The Guevara Guevara Appreciation Society. Society. (laughs) Or GAS. 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 Get them some more gas. Does yeah. that be? I hate being stuffy. Does that mean Gasolina is going to be their song? Uh, yeah, I had to go there. All right. So for the now, this is going to be the battle of the cakes. Tony Storm versus Jamie Hader for the interim AEW Women's World Championship, or as Miss Sally Stitch would call this, the battle of the cakes. Because every time we watch these, we anytime we watch a women's match, okay, we always have the battle of the asses. Who's going to win? Who has the best ass in the ring? 
And it always boils down to Tony and Jamie. Now, gentlemen, I'm going to tell you who Sally always picks, and that's always Tony Storm. Really? Yeah. Really? I, I, I just she has know, a very unique firmness it, to her, but it's her frame. It just seems so weak. Like maybe because her waist is so tiny, and it just seems like you know. I get. I, I just. I don't know, man. Like, Look, we know that you like them thick. She's your okay. She's your vibe. Okay. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. The the, the the buzzy kind with the batteries. No, 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 no. Personality wise, <laughs> not vibrating. We're sitting. <laughs> Although, I mean, no. <laughs> but anyways, um, starting with you know, we'll start with JJ on this one. JJ, JJ, interim women's world championship: Tony Storm versus Jamie Hader. Now, mind you, Jamie is going to have backup. Britt Baker, Rebel. And that ass. Oh. Oh. And that ass. Uh, So, Jamie's the only one that's got uh, potential for outside interference? Mm Mm-hmm. Supposedly. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go with Tony Storm on this one. All right. Going for the champion. Champ, yeah. I, I need to pick at least one, one champ that's <laughs> for sure retain the title. I, I I have a feeling more than one will, but I think I've already picked two to to lose it. So right, right. All right, monkey, who you got? Well, I'm gonna say it's probably gonna be Tony still maintaining because I think they're still waiting for the return of Thunder Rosa so they can have the official, you know. Uh, reunification of the interim and the women's title until and Thunder Rosa is still out so who knows how long she's going to be out but they're going to probably stretch this out as long as they can and I think Tony Storm is going to maintain the title until then. Okay. D-Twizzle? I gotta go with Jamie. Uh, I'm just really really hoping that Tony actually pulls the trigger on this. I just have the feeling there is a lot of like momentum and stuff that's going on so like I don't know. I'm I'm optimistic. This is going to be the moment, unless like you know, Brett does something stupid. But I will say this: if if Jamie doesn't win, then it, there has to be like something like drastic happening. I don't know if them beating each other up straight up and getting the pin that way would be enough, unless it's like a really really good match. But even with that, I feel I feel like this could be the moment where they pull it. So, this is my thing about putting the title on Jamie. That there's real-life heat between her and Thunder Rosa, and Jamie Hayter wants to beat the ever-living hell out of that woman. Yes. Yeah. That's the reason why they probably won't give it to her. Yeah. No. That's the... You know, as much as I'd love to say, and I know Monkey would actually like to say Jamie to win. Yeah. yeah. I, I would love to see her win, but like I said, I don't see it happening until After, at least a while. Until yeah. Rosa comes back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's my thing. As much as I love for Jamie to win, because she deserves it. She's a workhorse. Mm-hmm. Honestly, she doesn't need, you know, Brett or Rebel. She can win it on her own. She has the talent. She has the ability. She has the character. Oh, yeah, that ability and that character and that plot. And that ass. And that ass. I said a plot. Yes. But watch it for the plot. The plot, the plot, yes, the for plot. the stories. <laughs> but anyways, plot armor. yeah, exactly. She has a lot of she has a lot of armor. 
Yes. Mm. Very, very nice supple armor. I mean, what? Yeah, Why didn't we put her on the lust list last week? We, no, because... We, we got rushed. Remember? Yeah, we got rushed. We're, we're remember, volume time. two. So I think for... Speaking of which, for the lust list, I think for volume two on, we'll just focus on one specific category. Yeah, because we were jumping around like jumping jacks. Yeah, we're going to focus in on one specific category. But anyways, a little foreshadowing there. But Maybe on, two categories, because yeah. coloring way too long. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after the break, we'll swap. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Oh my. Anyways. Oh my. But yeah, I'm going to go with Tony on this because it'll make more sense for. Because Tony and Thunder Rosa, they don't have heat per se. And, and they never had their actual match that they were supposed to have before. Yep. So. Well, there, there is some people, but yeah, mm-hmm. saying that there is some heat between them, but. But yeah, Tony's going to win. Yeah. All right. So. But I will say this, though. I mean, if. If Tony wins, Rosa comes back. Rosa wins the belt back. I think Rosa actually is going to lose to to Tony when she does come back. Because her contract is coming up and also the heat that she has with a lot of women in the division. Mm -hmm. I don't think Rosa is going to be wrestling in AEW too much longer either. So you think that they would just end up doing like a part two, like a, a super roundabout way to get to like a part two? My only thing is like, what are they going to do in the meantime to basically, you mean, because you're waiting for Rosa to come back. So you got like months and weeks and weeks for that. And then you got to basically rehype the whole Storm and Hater matchup all so over So the thing is, and this is where the quality of female competitors come in. This is why I said Jade is going to lose. Jade loses. She can be injected into the women's championship title picture. Gonna inject that Jade. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's the reason why I'm saying Jade's going to lose. Because you can't always rehash the same individuals. Granted, there are still some up-and-comers in there. But if you really want to really shake it up, put Jade in there. Have her be tested in the waters with the big fish. With Brett, with Jamie, with Tony. You know, Athena's going to be coming back here pretty soon after her disappearance. (laughs) But, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm saying Jade's going to lose. But, anyways... The next match we have to talk to talk about is the acclaimed versus Swerve in our glory for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. <laughs> so starting with Monkey, that's me. Who you got? I'm gonna go with the uh, Scissor Me Daddy ass because you know the acclaimed. Everyone loves the acclaimed. Yeah, everyone yeah, loves I, the acclaimed. I think uh, Swerve in our glory is going to implode. Uh, Swerve is probably going to. Say something to to Keith Lee that's going to set Keith Lee off, and he's just going to be like, you know what, screw it, do it on your own. I don't care no more. We we were on the same page. Now we're not. Yeah, you're, you're being all weird. You know, trying to cut off Billy Gunn's fingernails, whatever, <laughs> whatever the hell you were doing. I don't know anymore. So yeah, it, it's it's going to be the acclaimed. Okay, and they deserve it. Damn it. Yeah, I don't care. D Twizzle. Yeah, along the same lines too. The claim's going to win it. They're riding a super emotional wave of momentum right now. All their promos and stuff's been good. Merchandise has been selling. 
Yeah, there's no way um, they're going to drop the belts anytime soon. Plus, this will be a good time for them to lead up into the whole FTR thing that's going to eventually yes. happen. Mm-hmm. That's going to be, you know, freaking prime time. So, yeah, the claim is going to hold, bring this one out. It's going to be a good match, but I think uh, claim will hold on to the title. All right. So, JJ? I will agree with Monkey and Dee Swizzle. I will say the Eclairs are going to maintain their championship. You know what? That's four. Full house on this one. The ac- too many. Yeah. <laughs> too many. There's four of us. There's four of us. We want to say Sesame Daddy us. <laughs> but yeah, the acclaimed will be taking this for the win. And we will get the FTR versus Acclaim match down the road, probably during Winter is Coming or whatever their final pay-per-view is going to be. That's probably Winter is Coming. Uh, actually, I think it was... We'll look it up later. Yeah, that's, that's We'll look it up during the break. But the final match we do have to talk about is John Moxley being the champion versus MJF for the AEW World Championship. Oh, this one's going to be... Interesting. Yes. This one is going to be very, very interesting. So wait. And I'm going to give my thoughts on this. No. Okay. Go ahead. MGF is going to win. Yes. Yes. MGF is going to win. But now I have some. I have some things. Now, granted, they're trying to portray MGF as a face, a faceish type character. Mm-hmm. You know, his promos on different shows, podcasts, and everything. You know, also him now being part of the Fritz von Erich um, biopic called The Iron Iron Claw. You know, I see that. But also, part of me thinks this is a long-term swerve where MJF is trying to look like a face, trying to look like he's repenting for everything that he's done in the past. Trying to be this gentleman, but he's going to swerve everybody. This is long-term booking at its finest. And MGF is going to show why he calls himself the devil. Mm-hmm. Even even with the issues with the firm. It's long-time birth. Issues. Yeah, issues. Yeah. So, yeah, MGF's going to win. There's going to be some shenanigans, and he's going to show his true colors. All right. D-Twizzle. I'm um, along the same lines. This is, you know, this is everything that everyone's basically been waiting for. You know, and this is going to be his time to basically, you know, shoot his, uh, shoot his shot, you know, get the belt. And then just the wave of um, storylines and matches, you know, that's going to be able to come out of this. I mean, he's already have like his first, you know, group of people with like the firm and stuff like that. He'll, you know, be having to go up against, you know, not along, you know, along the lines, those people, people from probably the Jericho Appreciation Society, things like that. So, I mean, he has like a bunch of people who they'll be able to match him up with. And that's not even including, you know, Adam Cole, if and when he comes back or, you know, the elite or something like that. So, um, should be, you know, it'd be pretty interesting just to see what he'll be able to do, but definitely be able to see him a lot more on TV. Than, than what we have recently as well. So that's also good. Right. All right. So we're going to take a small break. And when we come back. We're... Finish everyone up a oh, bit. sorry. 
What the hell? What the hell? That's just lazy. (laughs) Sorry, JJ. Easy posting. I'll I'll make it quick. MJF, I think, will also uh, be the the winner of this one. I I actually I thought that more of the uh, the championships. I thought I had said I that the uh, contender was the one that was going to take it, but uh, this is only the second one out of my predictions. Yeah. So it's only about half and half. Yeah. Now, granted, there will be more matches that will be coming up. You know, the card isn't solid just yet because we have the, you know, the number one contender eliminator term- tournament. Then, of course, I have a feeling that Samoa Joe versus Wardlow is going to be one of the matches. Then, of course, you know, whatever else might they... might be on a pre-show because, you know, they like to squeeze in like three or four matches on their pre-show. So. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of matches that they could have. So, yeah. So, we're going to take a small little break and whenever we come back, we're going to hit that... Uh, that little um, time machine nostalgia button and talk about some old school kung fu movies. We'll be back in a bit. I got a while ago, it's cold. Officially back to Cheshire's Place, a looking glass and logical madness. As always, I am your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire. Alongside me is the man, the myth, the legend, Monkey. That's me. The velvety vanilla, JJ Walkies. Howdy. And the sexual chocolate of internet wonderland, D Twizzle. Yes, it is. So, gentlemen, it is time to go back in time and relive some classic kung fu movies back in the way back machine in the way yeah i was just gonna say the way back, way back machine so when kung fu was cool org. yes oh. <laughs> now this is more nostalgia than anything else because i mean there's tons of old school kung fu movies out there there's tons of samurai movies out there <laughs> so i figured that we just discuss some of our favorites I mean, watching like USA Kung Fu Theater or WGN Kung Fu Saturdays or, you know, wherever you're at back in the old days when we were all young, vivacious young men, there was always some type of like Kung Fu Theater on TV on some channel on Saturdays or Sundays or Friday nights, what have you. So... I mean, th- this is something that I always wanted to do and discuss because it's something fun. Yeah, and again, a lot of people m- might uh, attribute a lot of the uh, 
the kung fu craze, especially to you know Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, and like even just uh, like you said before, like the Shaw Brothers stuff. Yeah, and uh, you know even the the hit song by Carl Douglas, everyone was kung fu fighting. I always hated that song. Oh, everyone loved it. You or- hate it. You're 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 not American. I've heard it way too many times, and so many jokes have been made about that over my life because of practicing martial arts. But hey, and then that it it tried to uh, people try to make a a karate one, the karate rap that that was. Anyone you mean that. ninja rap? No, no, no. That, no. that came later. Well, that ninja? came later, but there was actually someone that did a karate rap. Yeah. Don't, you know what? I'm going to see if I can find that real quick. I mean, fair use. Oh God, it's it's it, it's yeah. horrible. It's very horrible. It, it, it's it's, some, it's something that's going to make you cringe. Yeah. Mm. Well, it was the uh, they they tried to to shift to karate in the '80s with you know Karate Kids mainstream and then you know kickboxing and blood sport and all that and yeah because there's even the point where they're saying kumite in there which is yeah <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. But, well, so, is there like a criteria or something for so the movies? criteria is because like the idea of kung fu theater actually ended around 95 96 so the criteria is anything relating to 60s martial arts movies up oh. to 90s because there's a lot of them yeah. i mean this is how a lot of stars got their break like billy blanks Yep. He got his break on there. Dolph Lundgren did quite a few martial arts movies like Showdown in Little Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Norris as well. Yep, you know, Chuck Norris. Um, David Carradine. Yep. Um, in the Kung Fu TV series. Yep, like Jean-Claude Van Damme, his first movie was actually Breaking to Electric Boogaloo because mm-hmm. he was a background actor dancing badly. <laughs> but his first actual martial arts movie was No Retreat, No Surrender. For, for those who don't realize that. And yeah, we'll even throw in like, I hate it. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Steven Seagal movies. Yeah. Because he got his start in the 90s. You know, Sammo Hung. Um, or you can even say some of the newer movies, like, you know, anything with, with like Donnie Yen and like yep. Jet Li and, you know, uh, some of the, or even some that's not really technically yeah. Kung Fu, just martial arts movies in general, like... Uh, Cause that like made Sunny Ta- Chiba, yeah, stuff, you know, yeah. Like I mean, cause honestly, I looked at I looked at my list, and my list is like at least fifteen, no, mm. no more than like ten, right? The movie has to been out at least for a decade, and that's kind of how I made my list. So mm-hmm. mine's just going to be a little bit. Uh, it's going to be a mix. There is going to be some stuff from the seventies, but it's going to be oh, oh, a couple of things that's going to be kind of modern. And, oh, and mine is mostly just stuff that I experienced. I didn't get to watch a lot of like kung fu movies, what you know, growing up. So, you uh, a very uh, my job. mine is just going to be stuff that seems to be um like resonates. Yeah, yeah. stuff yeah, stuff that's got a similar either skill set or like aesthetic. Yeah, that's fine. Off of it, you know. Just as long as it's movies that we can all agree that were actually good movies or for their time, they were fun to watch. I mean, I'm even down with like that one kid that played the Mask Rider in the Mask Rider series. He did like quite a few martial arts movies when he was a kid. I remember watching those. Those were, for what they were worth, they were actually funny. Or don't even forget the, the great, you know. Three ninjas or three ninjas kick back. Oh, no, you yeah. didn't. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah. yeah. So, actually, I found the karate rap. 
Oh, God. And I'm going to play it. Now, mind you, this is all within <laughs> fair use. And I apologize for this in advance. I have seen this, so I, I'm good. I haven't seen it. I'm gonna, needs to, to take just, a peek at Just this. make sure you don't blow my eardrums out, okay? No, I'm turning it down. I don't know, turn it down. Oh, this is so easy. Oh, relax and breathe. Keep training. You'll get it. Itch, knee, song, she. Come on, everybody, train karate. Oh, good, good, please don't. Itch, knee, song, she. Come on, everybody, train karate. I don't mean to brag, I don't mean to boast, but I've trained karate from coast to coast. Karate. Train your body. I've done the Kung Fu, the show and Roo. I even did a little jujitsu. Karate. Train your body. Well, I've trained karate around the world. I'm known all over as Karate Girl. I'm witty, I'm pretty, got the female smarts. So listen to our rap about the martial arts. Karate. Train your body. Karate. <laughs> Train your body. My my ears are bleeding. The one guy kind of reminds me of what is it? The like not the Super Bowl shuffle, but the like the sex shuffle. Oh, this is this is so wrong. This one else. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I'm gonna pause this real quick because just in this small little segment of this video. The dude was coming out of the shower wearing a tiny ass towel. Yeah. With his black belt on. Of course. Of course, this one does. What? <laughs> okay. You gotta prove you're a karate master. <laughs> you gotta keep that towel up because you Look, don't wanna drop okay, the soap. Okay, okay, here we go. I have a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo. Mm hmm. In old school, Sean Daquan Taekwondo, mm -hmm. and we were able to make that work into Olympic style. We're one of the few schools that actually did that during the time in Texas. I have a secondary black belt in Shoshu Kung Fu. I have my blue belt in Jiu-Jitsu. I have a green belt in Hapkido. I've been training in martial arts for a very long time, and not once in my life have I ever thought about walking out, wearing a towel, mm -hmm. with one of my belts on. Yeah. That is like the definition of... Sacrilege? No, I was going to say stupidity. Oh. That's like, called the ego. My second word. Yeah, it's ego. You know, granted, the... the um. Some some dude bros on here, they're like, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a supreme martial artist. I'll come out just wearing my belt and nothing else. They'll probably be like, this is the best goddamn thing ever. Mm. But good Lord, this is all ego at this point. And this dude. We're not talking about Ethan Page. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Granted, Ethan Page is a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. So. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's actually well trained. He's a champion. But, yeah, th th this, like, just looking at this dude, he's, like, trying hard to be David Hasselhoff. Oh, gosh. Like, I, and the reason why I bring that up is because David Hasselhoff's song, True, True Survivor from Kung Fury, is on here, too. Yes. We'll listen to that another time, but I'm going to play a couple more minutes of this. No, that's, that's I think that's enough. <laughs> no, 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 because the best part's coming up. The best part's coming up. There's a best part? I have no fear. I always know my karate is near. I never have to fight, and I'll tell you why. No one wants to fight with a samurai. I'm a samurai, and that's better yet. I got the cakes, got the... And that's where we stop, a samurai. 
That's Sam- what I said. Samaret. My jaw just dropped when I heard that. I was like, is that like a Smurfette with a sword in her hand? Now, granted, they much. Mm. You know what? So the guy. That's all I hear. It's just, that's like that typical 80s rap. Like, if you can't rap, that's just like you're almost like rap talking, but it's that, that it's that typical cadence that gets so it, annoying. It's like the Sugar Hill Gang type yeah. cadence. Mm-hmm. 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 You know what's really mm-hmm. reminiscent about this? Mm-hmm. And this, this is obviously mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. yeah, is that double going too fast. Slow down. It's the, it's like the whole glow rap. Yeah, that's, yep, yep, yep. It is the glow rap. The glow rap. Yep. Was the Gorgeous old, ladies of wrestling. Oh, that's how they oh, like. Hi, I'm Bob. Yeah, and it's that cadence. Now, granted, like looking at the video, it looks like this dude has trained before. No, it doesn't. Actually, yeah, because what he was doing and everything with weaponry and like everything, it was legit. It was legit. Why? But the thing is, he's just trying to capitalize on the martial arts craze. Because yeah. during this time, this is when. The kung fu craze began dying off. Yeah. Um, Black exploitation began dying off, and now yeah. we began having the craze of karate and ninja. Yeah. So that's what he's capitalizing on. I'm a samurai, and I'm here to say I don't like you anyway. You, you know what? Hold on, hold on. Just a couple more seconds. No. No, my ears. I train for fun. I'm a shogun. And we stop right there. Oh, my God. We, <laughs> we stop right there. Someone needs to call 911 because my... I think I'm going through us. a stroke. <laughs> <coughs> now, karate, move your body. Now, Should mind you, folks. Um, yeah, that was bad. Just as bad as that, like Cologne Haya karate that they had, like in the very early '80s in the commercial for that. D Twizzle was like, "I never heard of this." You know what? Because this is actually part of that <laughs> nostalgia. <laughs> due no. due to the fact that yeah, Haya karate came out like in the early '80s. Man, I, I still can't get over that. He like found it. I don't find anybody because I'm a shogun. I'm like, who? Nobody. This is. I mean, that makes mumble rap there seem is. like Shakespeare. All right, so this is actually the commercial for Haya Karate, and it actually came out in the '70s. So I'm going to play this, and I apologize in advance. And they actually still sell this crap too. Hmm. Just found it. All right, here we go. This is going to be scary. Oh, man. Oh, man. Come on, man. Uh, If playback doesn't begin shortly, try restarting your device. Uh, Oh, wait, here we go. How about a movie tonight, huh? Wow, what's that aftershave you're wearing? Do high karate aftershave is so powerful, it drives women right out of their minds. That's why we have to put instructions on self-defense in every package. High karate, the brisk splash-on aftershave that smooths and soothes and cools. High karate, aftershave, cologne, and gift sets. High karate, be careful how you use it. Wow, that was like the most cringe thing cringe ever. Cringe, racist thing I ever seen. 
It's like, watch out how you use it because you, you don't know you might kill somebody or you know drown them in your in your stank. testosterone. Yes, mm. it's, it's, it's almost like that one video about the about the energy drink. Or like sure. all of them, like no, Red the, Bull gives you wings. No, like the one where it was the Maximizer one. We saw it whenever we went over to Ed's place. Huh? Or you you're probably a little late on that. Okay, it's whenever we're bad. playing the Doctor Dran videos. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah that, America. that, yeah. So, all right, gentlemen. So, seeing how we saw the cringiest parts, and that's before even playing like everybody's kung fu fighting, even though that is actually a chart topping song. Yeah, mm-hmm. something that'll stand the test of time. Unlike yeah. freaking karate rap. Yeah, it, it, it didn't go as well. As you know what? Season the six. I'm gonna find martial arts music videos. Now, granted, there is a guy out there named Rap as a, Rap is a martial art, and he's actually a pr- practitioner of kung fu, and he actually has some good music out there. But we'll do that in season six, where we try to find like crazy, like music martial arts related videos. Mm-hmm. But let's get to what our discussion is, and that is nostalgia for kung fu. Yes, yeah. And well, kung fu movies, martial arts movies as a whole. So. I'm going to start with D-Twizzle because you have a good list. So name off, we're going to start with three apiece. Okay. Three apiece. So name your first three that you have some nostalgia with. All right. So my first ones, and this is something that I give uh, credit to my dad for because he introduced me to Bruce Lee. We would rent blockbuster tapes back when that was the thing. And he introduced me to uh, probably the one that really stood out to me is the, I think it's the Fist of Fury. Um, the reason why that one stood out to me was because my dad would always say the line from the movie. He was like, why did you kill my teacher? Why? 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 <laughs> so he would, <laughs> so wow. like ever since then, that's always like stuck with me. So anytime I would ever get into something like that, that's where my mind would go to. But all time classic, you know, the whole nunchucks, things like that. Super huge, which um, then leads me into one that I kind of, you know, stood out with me which was rumble in the bronx one of yeah. my first like introductions into uh jackie chan and uh you know i liked the whole 90s aesthetic i mean it was just just so much frenetic energy so i was just looking every which way like if like you're watching like a tennis match because it's just so much stuff that's going on and all you know all the stunts and things that he was doing on his own so um i was definitely sold on anything and everything that he did in that movie. That movie is an all-time classic for me. Um, and then I'm probably going to have to do... I might pick something a little bit more modern, which is uh, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Uh, just okay. Remember, yeah. I remember seeing that one in theaters and stuff. And, you know, just to see something be put in a way that made it so elegant and so classic in a sense. I mean, it was, it was an homage to a lot of those movies then, but it was just done in a way that was just, you know, beautiful. There were so many different classic scenes that people, you know, would still at that time they were using a lot, you know, during that era when that movie came out, cause it just had that much, um, cultural media impact. So, um, I, I enjoyed it. It was probably one of my most favorite movie experiences I've ever had seen a movie. Okay. I like, I like. All right, JJ, what you got for us for sure. your first three? So I don't 
I guess, have as an extensive <coughs> as, as D-Twizzle. I also don't actually remember one versus another, so I'm going to actually give three pairs that um, I've seen one or the other of of what, what's in this part of the list, in this group, and then I'll have two other sets of three that they're not necessarily movies, but they're other, again, like I said, kind of culturally influenced media based off of kung fu so uh the first one we've got the power rangers so i can't remember if it was the actual first power rangers movie or the 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 one that came out of it uh after it the 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 turbo turbo one one? yeah but i saw not all of it i saw most of it or it was on in the background while i was on my like game boy while i was at like daycare one day Actually, several days because I remember, like, it. I had a serious case of deja vu every time that this happened. It'd be like I'd be playing my video game. Oh, the Power Rangers movies are. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and it was the exact same scenes, and because I always left at the same time, it never finished by the time that I had to leave. Oh, I used to hate those days. Wow. Mom, come but, pick you up. You're like, no, I'm going to stay. I'm trying and then, much. and then um, the other two. Uh, our Jackie Chan movies, we got, you know, Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights, and uh, Rush Hour, Rush Hour 2. Like, I I know that I've seen at least two of those four movies. I don't know which ones. I I, I know for a fact I've seen either Shanghai Noon or Shanghai Nights, probably both, because I remember the the drinking game. Yeah. And (laughs) them sitting in the bathtubs, and that was, I I really enjoyed that. That was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but that's one thing that I really appreciate about Jackie Chan is that he's very good at physical comedy. Yes. yes. And and the fact that you can take something that's I think thought of as being a little bit more of a serious, you know, we call it the martial arts, but I, I do feel like it's it's something that's a little bit more, you know, <clears throat> based off of discipline and and making sure that you know what what you're doing and why you're doing it the way that you are and and he's gotten it to the point that with all of his background in it, he was able to combine that with something else that he really loved, and that was comedy. And 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 these movies are kind of the culmination of that expertise mixed with what he wanted to, I think, kind of... And it, yeah. it also influence. was able to translate into Western culture. Yeah. And I think that's because uh, a lot of what Jackie Chan does is more what they call... Um, it was called Peking Opera is what he was trained in, yep. which is essentially a physical martial arts acting troop style thing. And that's why his 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 comedy is so physically based comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's um, him and um, Samuel Hung, who was essentially uh, an upperclassman of his, but essentially they're like brothers when they, they trained at, at this Peking Opera Academy. And you will see a lot of movies with both of them in it usually. Um, I don't think he was in either of those with, with Jackie Chan in either the Shanghai Night Ones or Shanghai Noon or... Actually, uh, he was in... Um, did he have like a cameo in one of them? He did. He does cameos once in a while in some yeah. Jackie Chan movies, depending yeah. on what it is. Because I know he did... Um, whenever Jackie Chan did the Around the World in 50 Days, mm-hmm. he, he was actually in the Chinese... Um, of course he was. <laughs> in the Chinese village as um, Wafei Hung ah. with the Ten Tigers. Nice. So that was a good one. Yes. All right. Any others? 
Uh, not right now. I'll, I'll go around like two, two more of the rounds and okay. kind of talk about what I got. But. All right, Monkey, what you got? All right. Well, I'm going to go into some crazy things here. Ooh. So uh, I'm going to start off with probably one of my favorite uh, classic Jackie Chan movies, uh, which is uh, The Young Master. Yes. So this one was a, a very, very interesting one. Um, e- even in dub. It was still very interesting to watch, um, and this was one of those show movies that you see something in there that you would not understand as being possible, except for the fact that they had to actually slow down the footage to make it look like it was being not done normally. Yeah, where um, one of the guys actually in it, his style involves him using a stool slash bench as his fighting style. And he literally is spinning this thing around his leg and using it as a weapon and sitting on it and using it for other things. But the way that this, this, the scene has slowed down so much, it looks so hokey. But when you think about it, that thing having to move around his leg like that without flying off somewhere else or falling off, the speed that that thing had to have been going was insane. So quick side note, the actual fighting bench is synonymous with Hungar Kung Fu. It's actually one of their weapons. And it's actually used almost like how the tonfa would be used in Okinawan Karate. So the fighting bench is actually very multi-purpose. So, you know, if anyone ever wants to take a look at Hungar Kung Fu, a lot of people will use that weapon. All right, go ahead. Okay. All right, so second of all, um, I'm going to go with the one a little bit more modern, and it was... Obviously meant as a parody, kind of, but it was still very, uh, I guess you could say, kind of traditional in the same sense, and that would be Kung Fu Hustle. Yes. So um, that one there where uh, Stephen Chow um, uses his comedy, basically he was being looked at as the modern-day Jackie Chan because of how he's doing a lot of comedy um, with martial arts movie stuff. And that just uh, the the cast in there was just so phenomenal, and uh, just um, the guy playing the landlord who uh, who's been who's known as you know a villain in so many other former old martial arts movies, and then the landlady who was actually in uh, I believe it was uh, Doctor No, she was one yeah. of the the Bond girls in Doctor No. So just and her getting that part was just. Uh, phenomenal about how how she actually ended up getting that part. The story behind it was she was with someone else who was auditioning for the part, and then when the casting director saw her sitting out there smoking, waiting for her friend, he asked her to audition, and that's how she got the part. Um, So, and then uh, third movie on my list, um, I had one more in my head. Where did it go? How dare you? Excuse me a moment. Papa John's is calling me. Uh-oh. Oh, so um, Hello. let me see here. What was the okay? This one's going to go a little bit more to the um, strange side area of martial arts, but um, yeah. kind of eighties theme area. Uh, this was uh, one of the movies that another kind of very Americanized, but uh, best of the best. Best of the best. Well, yes. Is that like some 80s movie or something? Yes, it was an 80s movie. Uh, essentially, it was um, in the middle of a tournament, or I guess say kind of like an Olympic-style uh, taekwondo tournament where it was a Team USA versus uh, Team North Korea. 
and it was a bunch of the North Korean team basically being the insane, overly charged up, overly, you know, this is this is their life, this is what they've done all their life, and the American team being very, uh, I guess you could say, ragtag style team. Uh, the main character, let me pull it up right fast here. Alright, so the so the main character um was uh Alex Grady, who was essentially <coughs> a widower and a father. Um and he's basically going into this basically as his last straw to to try to keep his stuff together. Uh another one of his team members is <coughs> a guy whose brother had actually participated in a former one of these uh team style tournament basically and his brother was killed by actually one of the other current members of the other team in, in their match so it's uh, a lot of crazy things there um james Earl jones is plays the coach of the american team so a lot of um big name people for the time i guess you can say um <laughs> in, consider eric roberts eric roberts played <laughs> yep so well, you know, again, this was before all of his crazy issues he had. Uh, so, yeah, it was a very, I guess you could say, a very big influence in uh, American and Western cinema of other martial arts other than Kung Fu. Specifically, yeah. in this case, it was Taekwondo. Yeah, and aside from my cousin who was a black belt in Taekwondo, best of the best was one of the reasons why I went into martial arts. As, at a young age, it was one of those reasons why I gravitated towards Taekwondo. Now, great, I've been training since I was three and uncles and everything, but best of the best really solidified Taekwondo for me. And, and, and Travis was just the man. He's all like, I don't Hell, give yeah. a damn. I got my cowboy hat on. I'll fight with my cowboy hat on. Exactly. He was amazing. <laughs> so I do have to apologize about that. Papa Jones called because um, <laughs> we were trying to place an order for our food order for um, AEW Full Gear. And the store that's here locally, their system is down. Uh, so they were nice enough to cancel the orders for me. Uh, so we'll have to order like tomorrow or something. We'll, fig- we'll figure something out. But anyways. <clears throat> trying to f- order too far ahead. That's the problem. Too far ahead. No, their systems are completely just wiped. So like they're canceling a lot of orders that were going in. So we'll probably figure out something. But anyways, I have to go with... <laughs> An introduction that I had for Bruce Lee. Uh-huh. And that was Way of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Or or here in the U.S. it was called Return of the Dragon. Which is kind of weird because Way of the Dragon came out after the big boss. Which was yeah. Bruce Lee's first movie. And this led to the famous Coliseum match between Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. Yes. And this was Chuck Norris's first movie. Mm-hmm. Because Chuck and Bruce were best friends because Chuck was com- was competing in full contact martial arts matches. They actually met at Ed Park's um, karate tournament, which was a very big deal in California back in the day. Ed Parker, my bad, Ed Parker. And also Chuck Norris began training with Bruce Lee in Jeet Kune Do in Jun Fan Kung Fu, which was the predecessor to, to um, Jeet Kune Do. So... Having them in one movie was like amazing. And just watching the cinematography, seeing how it was in Rome, 
you know, just the differences and styles. It was amazing. And that was the first, like, Bruce Lee movie I actually watched. And then my uncles introduced me to Enter the Dragon, Game of Death, Chinese Connection, you know, all of those, all the other movies. Mm -hmm. And even then, I remember now as a kid watching episodes of The Green Hornet. Whenever Bruce Lee was playing Kato. Or as it was known in China as the, the Kato, Kato show. show. <laughs> yeah. you know, Greenhorn was, was a nobody, nothing. He just sat there and he's like, all right, go get him, Kato. And now I have to go with my first introduction of Jackie Chan, which was actually like you, you had the young master. Yeah. I had Snake in the Eagle Shadow. Nice. Because that was one of his first movies that really showed his depth as a martial artist and as a comedian. Matter of fact, that was the first movie. Because the reason why I say first movie, because all the other movies that he was in prior to Snake in the Eagle Shadow were all Bruce exploitation movies. They were trying to make Jackie Chan into Bruce Lee. Now, what I mean by Bruce exploitation, and a lot of people probably don't know this, but after Bruce Lee died, there became a wave of copycats that were trying to be Bruce Lee and different studios were trying to recreate Bruce Lee. So you had Bruce Lee with the L-E, you had Bruce Lai, you had Bruce Lay, then you would have other people trying to make these other actors Bruce Lee. Now, what's make Jackie Chan stands apart from them is that Jackie Chan actually worked with Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon. He was one of the guards yeah. and one of the stunt people. And Bruce Lee actually spoke to Jackie Chan and gave him a thumbs up and told him, you know, you're going to go far. So Snake in the Eagle Shadow was my first introduction to Jackie Chan because, you know, it's about him learning martial arts. And then he met this old beggar that was like the last person to teach Eagle Kung Fu and the... Not Eagle, sorry, Snake Kung Fu and the Eagle Kung Fu Masters trying to kill everyone that knows Snake style. And Jackie actually creates his own unique style called Cat Claws, which is Snake. Plus, he also saw the movements of a cat. And then at the end of the movie, they decided to call it Snake in the Eagle Shadow. So it was very unique. But the OG movie that got me started into watching Kung Fu movies was 36 Chambers of Shaolin. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen it, but I know it's an all-time classic. You've never seen it? Nope. We're watching it after this. Uh, we have to watch <laughs> he's it. He's like, ah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I got I, I to gotta... be things to do, things to see, people to do. What? Uh, we have enough time. Monkey, you're not going you anywhere. Got 10 minutes. We can watch that in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> it was a great movie because it's Gordon Liu. It was his first movie. He is a real-life martial artist. He does practice Hungar Kung Fu, or he did, you know, rest his soul. But it was him showing his ability, and it was just showing the aspect of Shaolin martial arts. Because mm -hmm. back in the day, they did have similar training to that. It wasn't as in, okay, it was probably more in-depth, but yeah, it showed that, that process. So I definitely love the those movies, especially like anything relating to the 36 Chambers. So 
36 chambers, return to the 36 chambers, students of the 36 chambers. Those were always amazing to me. All right, D, your next three. All right, so my next three are going to be some that's going to be a little bit modern, a little bit more modern. Well, give or take. All right, so the first one is Ong Bak, the original, the original one that came out in 03. Yep. Uh, Yeah, no, that that was such an interesting movie because at that time I didn't know who he was. And it was just something that I happened to buy like on a whim because I think I was, I think it was like my first first year in the military and I didn't have much to do in my dorm room and my buddy was one of the few people who actually had like a actual TV in his dorm room so I had my Xbox so I like hooked everything up and it was just trying to find movies so I popped this one in and I was just like holy crap this thing was amazing (laughs) one of the best things I've ever seen I'm like man who is this dude this dude's just like I mean, just some of just the fight scenes and like that that first scene where they were um, in that little fighting pit that that whole yeah. thing still stands out to me. It's just oh, something's just whenever classic. they're in the fight club and yeah. they're doing that all that. Yep, yep. So that that was definitely like, <coughs> yep. This one's gonna be burned in my memory forever. Um, and the next one was just one that. Um, when I when I think about it, it was actually a really underrated underrated one. It was called uh, Unleash with uh, Jet Li in it. Yep, I actually own that one. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those movies where it's like, oh, you just just based off the trailers, you're thinking it's just going to be some you know fly by night martial art movie. But the story behind it was actually what made it so interesting because it it was a very sentimental type plot. When you really like break everything down and you find out there's an actual like story behind a lot of the uh, the way that this person act and everything, it it was a way that really humanized it. And I've never seen a um, uh, a martial arts movie in that way being portrayed because um, usually it's like revenge or vengeance or something like that. But this is just a person who you know went through a crazy amount of trauma, and then you find the mystery behind it. And, you know, the cast was just top notch for a movie of that of that caliber. And then this other one is one that um, always will probably always have a place in my heart. And that was the uh, the raid the the right. first one. Yeah. Um, I just remember just like the hype behind it and discovering about it. Um, the music. I remember just watching like the original trailer. I think I found it like on IGN and just the intensity like. This literally looked like as if these people were actually like killing each other. I'm not going to lie. And it just hooked me in. I was, you know, waiting for this thing to come out. I finally got a chance to see it. And it was better than anything I've ever seen. Um, The music, the music soundtrack behind it. I mean, just unbelievable. Like I I still, it was like uh, the main song was was a Razor's Out by Chino Marino. Yeah. Yeah, that. That whole soundtrack, like every time I I hear that thing, just gets you like so hyped, and you feel like you're just about to like you know punch people through walls and buildings <laughs> and stuff. It was just it was just uh, an amazing culmination of both music and the actual you know fighting and things like that. And I ended up finding out about a new um, style because it's something called Salat. Salat. Yeah, yep. I've never heard of that. Salat until I saw that is movie. Um, Indonesian martial art not only is it the official sport of indonesia 
but it is the official military martial art as well. Mm-hmm. And Salat is similar to Kali, Arnis, and Eskrima, where there's several different systems of Salat. So there's Penjak Salat, there's, I can't even remember all of them off the top of my head, but whenever you get a chance, go on YouTube and there's look up, like, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Fruit salat. Anyways. Meat salat. But anyways, whenever you get a chance to, you know, research. Yeah, just go on YouTube and watch salat demonstrations. Those are insane to watch. And also as a side note with uh, talking about Umbach and and Tony Ja, I used to actually see, I had like videos of where he was giving demonstrations in public of some of the, the stunts he did in Mbok and is like the uh, one where he jumps straight up and hits the, the lamppost and takes out the light. Mm-hmm. He no, did that. No wires. Life. That's all him. Yep. And then also him running on people to get through the crowd. That's Again, all No him. wires. All him. Yep, he, all he did that on, on the stage with a couple other people out there. So it's just insane his physical ability that he has. Yeah. So. And again, you know, this being also one of my preferred martial arts of, which is uh, Muay Thai kickboxing. So that's one of the things that really drew me into that movie as well when that came out. Yep. Yep. All right. JJ, what you got for us? All right. So this trio is going to be um, not movies, but shows that I, I and this is for legit, like mm. watched growing up. Yeah. Um, at least to a degree. So. Uh, the first one, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Of course. Mm-hmm. That's a course. big opener for everyone. I yeah. had yeah. to watch that. And interestingly enough, uh, one year, I think for Christmas, my, my grandma on my mom's side knit me a sweater that had one of the, the turtles. Like, nice. Oh, okay. That's cool. That's a cool grandma. Yeah. So, um, then the next one would have been Beetleborgs. Nice. Uh, you know, after school. Uh, on Fox, got to watch plenty of that growing up. And, yeah, and it was interesting. I I didn't catch it obviously when I was growing up, but they replaced one of the uh, the I guess the lead actress. Yeah, uh, mainly because there was yeah something yeah I some think sort was, of either it was like, cancer or something. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And yeah, but I I really enjoyed that show. Um, I guess. I, now I'm not so surprised that more people didn't know about it, but I I really enjoyed watching it. And I'd put it up there against Power Rangers, but uh, and then the last one would be Jackie Chan Adventures, which yeah, the interesting you know <laughs> trivia about that is that Jackie Chan doesn't do his own voice, at least not in the the cartoon. Yeah, he he does his own voice obviously in the the live action stuff. But yeah. The little PSAs that he pops in and does things on, but not in the actual cartoon series. <laughs> now, here's a little side fact. Jackie Chan actually has a couple of video games out. One of them be actually being a fighting game. Hmm. So whenever y'all get a chance, take a look at Jackie Chan fighting video game. You'll see how crazy this thing is. Nice. It's amazing. All right, Monkey. That's what, me. What we got? All right. All right. Well... I'm going to make you cry because I'm probably going to steal one of your things here. I right, go for it. And and again, this is a, one of the probably OG, you know, I guess you say Western martial arts movies 
that that kicked off a lot of the uh, things, especially because of the craze. And that would be uh, part part of the uh, Bruce exploitation, uh, Barry Gordy's Last Dragon. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people um, might not remember that too too much, but uh, a lot of people do remember it. And uh, I mean, I own it, so yeah. yeah. Well, I think a lot of people do, but yeah. if they don't, then they they had a poor childhood, poor poor childhood. But uh, yeah, we're gonna have to watch that sometime. But. Uh, one of the actors in there, obviously, um, who uh, was uh, a very famous child actor who who, who popped up in a lot of <coughs> martial arts style things and other movies, uh, Ernie Reyes Jr., who made his transition from there. He was also in the, the old Conan movie, I believe. Yep, that was his uh, first movie, actually. And he was also in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 as Kino. So let's not forget him being in Sidekicks, the in series Sidekicks. on ABC. Yep. So he he was he's also a known martial artist from my home country, the Philippines. Yeah. Go Pinoyko. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that's one. Uh, let's see here. Mm, trying to think here. What else? Good movies that were out. Well, I guess don't really know if it's really good, but. Um, I guess uh, another big uh, inf- classic nostalgic movie, uh, even though essentially it was the kind of middle start to a lot of the same movies over and over again from the same actor, uh, Bloodsport. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Yeah. Which um, the best thing about that movie, though, was uh, a continual um, showing of another actor who was in several Bruce Lee movies, which was Bolo, who played uh, Chong Lee yeah. in there. Probably one of the most badass-looking, jacked-up martial arts guys ever you'll see in the world. You should actually watch his movie, Chinese Hercules. That one's actually a good movie, too. I should check that out. So uh, that's another big introduction to a lot of people. Um, And again, unfortunately, that was became kind of the the set of a lot of uh, future uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movies where it's essentially all the same story as the uh, joke would go... uh, uh, every Jackie Chan movie playing the same shit, or not Jackie Chan, uh, John claude Van Damme playing the same shit he plays over and over and over again. But still, it was a, a basis for it, and it was a very good movie for the time, and got a lot of people into other kinds of martial arts, and that's where the Kumite reference comes from. Yep. It's in the karate rap movie. Or karate rap. I will play that music again. Uh, uh, that's that's right, throwing me off, man. That's why I can't think straight. My my mind keeps thinking about all the insanities. Um, but yes, uh, other than that, um, going to one more Zen type. Uh, one more uh, classic uh, Jackie Chan movie, and that would be uh, one that even had a, a a remake in the U.S. Well, it was remade in China still, but it was a remake re-release. And that was the uh, Drunken Master movie. Yep. Yep. So, um, again, a big introduction to a lot of people for of the Drunken Master style Kung Fu, which, uh, again, not only was it, it was meant to be hilarious and, and actiony, but it also did talk about the unfortunate drawbacks of people who practiced in it, which was became alcoholics and obviously ended up having sad, sad lives. Yep. All right, so <laughs> I have to go with something a little modern. Well, my first two are a little more modern. Mm. 
who remembers watching Don the Dragon Wilson videos and movies? Vaguely. So Don the Dragon Wilson, and I have some information on him. He's an American martial artist, film actor, former professional kickboxer, and 11-time world champion who scored 47 knockouts in four decades. He has been called by the star system rating as perhaps the greatest kickboxer of all time in American history. Now, back in the day, because in the 90s, they started making more martial arts movies that were extremely action-y. Mm-hmm. So like Blood Fist, China O'Brien, Tiger Claw. So like the ones that were emphasizing just kickboxing and more unique styles of kung fu, but it wasn't like traditional, it was more modernized, like Street Justice, all of those movies. So Don the Dragon Wilson is actually known for Blood Fist mm-hmm. and the entire Blood Fist series, which there's like six, seven movies relating to this and also the Ring of Fire series and quite a few others. So... Bloodfist One was also the introduction of Billy Blanks, who is another well-known martial artist who created, of course, the Taibo system. Everyone now knows him as Mr. Taibo, but back in the day, he was a world champion. Matter of fact, Billy and Don actually trained together quite a bit. So that's one that I enjoy. It's an American doing martial arts, and he is a legit martial artist. The second one, I have to give a throwback. Michelle Yell. Mm-hmm. And this was an introduction of another prolific martial artist. There was a movie that she did called Yes, Madam, where she played a police inspector in, in China. Well, she found a partner in an American And this is actually the first American female to actually do and star in Chinese and Hong Kong Kung Fu movies. And the individual I'm talking about is Cynthia Rothrock. And Cynthia Rothrock is amazing. She was the first American to actually win gold in Beijing for Kung Fu. She's a professional Kung Fu master, kickboxer. Um, just all around, she, she you, she knows her stuff. But yes, madam was her introduction as well. And just seeing those fight scenes with her in them, and seeing Michelle's fight scenes, like honestly, it was amazing seeing women out there just beating the hell out of guys. And as a quick reference, uh, Sammo Hung does play the Sifu in there as well. Yep. So yep, yep. And then the third movie I do have to talk about. The Flying Guillotine. And this was the sequel to The One-Armed Boxer. And if y'all ever get a chance to find this movie... Now, granted, in Netflix, they have another version of it, and it isn't that one. It's called Flying Guillotine, but this one is The Flying Guillotine. And for a lot of people, like The Flying Guillotine was an actual weapon in, in use in China back in the old days. And just as its name sounds, it was meant to decapitate. It was pretty much a frisbee that would fly. It would fit over the person's head in a hood. And there was some way to make the mechanism cut off the head as you pull it off. So they actually did this as a movie. So whenever y'all get a chance, y'all need to watch this. All right. So we got time for one more round 
So, D-Twizzle, give us your final three. All righty. Final, final three. Time, oh, time to get rid of six of the options. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Don't worry. We'll be doing a part two to this later. So, this next one is one that, you know, kind of definitely near and dear to my heart. Uh, this is another one my dad actually introduced me to once I, uh, when I was little. It's actually called The Matrix. Ooh. Okay, yeah. yeah. So the Matrix, in a sense, it's it's interesting just because they're able to tie something like you know martial arts to a more esoteric philosophy way of thinking. You know, it was you know it made you think, but you also had an, enough decent action pieces, and you kind of went through a little bit of like the hero's journey that you kind of see in a lot of those um, old school kung fu movies and stuff. You know, plus it was just, you know, with enough dab of technology and you see some of the behind the scenes, um, um, like behind the scenes with some of the actors and the training that they went through this stuff. And then, you know, with Keanu Reeves actually even going a step further and just being able to really take this into his own, like with the uh, John Wick series and things like that, um, it's definitely a, you know, unique. It's, just, it's a movie that definitely stood out for me. Um, another one that you mentioned was, uh, is you didn't mention like way of the dragon, but I'm gonna go with, um, fists of legend. Uh, was yeah. a classic yeah. Jet Li movie. Another <coughs> Jet Li movie that I, uh, enjoyed just mainly because of that, that one main fighting scene towards the end was just probably some of the most interesting, uh, choreographed scenes that was ever, you know, put to film. So, little side note: Did you know that that Fist of Legend is actually a remake of a Bruce Lee movie called Chinese Connection? That's what I heard. Yep. So, if you take a look at the the dojo scene when he walks into the dojo and faces all the Japanese fighters, mm-hmm. that's what Bruce Lee did. Okay. Maybe, okay. Did they change like the country source, or was it just like verbatim? It it wasn't really verbatim. There was a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. It. In a way, it's an homage to what Bruce okay. Lee did. It's an homage. All right. Any others? Um, last one was uh, Mr. Nice Guy. What's another? Yeah, that was Jackie a good Chan one. Movie. Jackie Chan, yeah. Jackie yeah. Chan one, yeah. yeah. That was another one that stood out for me from some of his original uh, films, like in the 90s and stuff. You know, definitely a case of like mistaken identity and things like that. But another all-time good classic one. Nice, nice. All right, JJ, what you got for us? All right, so this last one is stuff that I think more or less I probably wasn't um, exposed to any of it until after I was probably 16, 17. And I guess one of them is a movie. Well, two of them are movies, and the last one's a video game. So we'll start with the movies. Uh, so we've got Kung, pa- Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> probably biggest spoof movie that it's it's interesting because it kind of it takes the classic (laughs) kung fu movie and then it like makes the main character you know he's he's basically doesn't belong in the movie at all right and (laughs) hilarity ensues with the combination of like situational comedy and like yeah (laughs) certain tropes being taken to at you know the the absurd so um, next one, Big Trouble in Little China. 
There you go. Yeah, yeah, definitely have to do that so one. Kurt Russell, or not Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah. it was Russell? Kurt Russell. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mind you, John, John Carpenter, that, that's Miss Stitches. That's her forte. Her forte. I was about to say foreplay. God <laughs> damn it. Well, it might be sometimes, you know. Yeah, you never know. It's Kurt Russell, you know. The, the one piece of trivia I have with that uh, movie is that I actually, I got uh, a retro pie arcade because... Nice. I, I was able to, to suss out that Kurt Russell was the answer to the, the riddle. Nice. Because of one of the one of the lines was something along the lines of three uh or a you know, hero has to fight three storms, the three storms. to save Jade <laughs> yeah. or something like that. <laughs> the, the the dragon green eyes and Yeah. Yeah. And then the last no thing that I've I've got for us is like I said, a video game. Um this was on the original Xbox, and it was Kung Fu Chaos. I have never heard of that movie or that video game. Yeah, that video game. So the quick synopsis on Kung Fu Chaos is that it's actually they're filming what would be considered a, a classic Kung Fu movie, but it's like in Hollywood. the The director's name is Xiao Ting. Shouting! Wow! Shouting at you! And he's got the megaphone the whole time. Wow. And so you've got all of these characters and, you know, you can pick whoever to play as, but the basic premise is that as you go through each level, it's a different part of the, the film being recorded and um, you have to fight so many of the like, you know, nameless ninjas to, to get through the level. And then after so many or so much energy is built up, you have a special move that you're allowed to use and, the character that I like to play as the most was Chop, which he has this baby on his back, sticks, <laughs> chopping sticks. Oh wow! And, and um, whenever whenever their special is is ready to go, it's Chop chopsticks. Chop puts his hood over his face and covers like it cuts it off, and then sticks like screams and makes everybody's head explode. I think nice. I want to find this game. <laughs> I want to find this game now. Kung Fu Chaos. Yep. I will look it up later. Yes. Oh, I like that. All right, Monkey, your finals. All righty. So, I'm going to do a couple interesting things here. Uh, taking a slight page out of your book here, I'm going to touch on uh, the the lovely Michelle Yeoh and talk about one of her movies that was really awesome and inspirational back in the day uh, for martial arts and that was silverhawk yes which uh was a uh, basically start her as kind of like a vigilante superhero lady and she's running around and fighting things uh one of the actual antagonists that she fights in the show or in the movie is played by michael j white who is again another prominent martial artist a lot of people uh, an actor known for many roles in many movies including spawn yeah so um, that's uh, another really great one. Uh, uh, early 2000 movie uh, with Jet Li, and a lot of people might remember, uh, The One. Yeah, which, I remember that one, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very interesting concept, more of a sci-fi action movie, but it, it was uh, martial arts-based, and including the point where uh, Jet Li talked about how when he was playing the two different character roles, that he specifically designed the style that they were using to be based around their their character, while the the uh, I guess you could say the the good guy version of him 
was more kind of like a Tai Chi version where it was in circular. So here, I can actually add some light to this. The two styles, like the good guy version, Hula, actually used a style known as Bagua Zhang, which is a very... Which was a very circular, fluid style. It actually translates into a trigram boxing. Mm. So a lot of circular movements, a lot of flowing. Um, the bad guy yeah, used like a, a linear style. Yeah, yeah. it was. It's um, Zin Ying Quan or Zin Yi. So it's very linear. It's very straightforward. There's really no turns or or angles that you would do traditionally in kung fu. Now, Bhagwan Zinzi are considered part of the pillars of the Taoist martial arts. So there's Bagua, there's Zinzi, there's Hitsing, there's Tai Chi. Those are all Taoist martial arts as opposed to like the Shaolin systems. But yeah, th- those are the two differences. And Jet Li is proficient in both of them. Yes. Because that was part of his training for, um, for Wushu. All right, go ahead. And, okay. and then also this movie also brought in a another uh, prominent actor who this is where a lot of people got their first exposure to him, and he's been in I guess you could say kind of martial artist style movies, action yep. movies, and that's Jason Statham played a supporting character in that mm-hmm. movie as well, where he played a uh, Agent Evan Funch. Yep. Um. So. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I'm glad you. Yeah, that was his first that. movie. Well, his first movie was actually uh, probably Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, mm-hmm. well, but, yeah. and then Snatch, but then... First American movie. First, first American, American yeah. <laughs> well, Guy Ritchie's... Never mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Okay, and then the third one. This is uh, one of my favorite movies. Um, very crazy and same movie, and the main actor, um, I guess you can call him an actor because he really wasn't an actor before very many movies. Um, that movie is Death Trance, yes. which stars uh, Tak Sakaguchi, who is, um, before he became a quote-unquote actor and stuntman, he was actually known for basically being an actual real-life street fighter, which is where a uh, director had actually seen him actually fighting multiple people in a street fight for money, and after the fight, he talked to him and said, hey, have you ever thought of doing acting? And that is what got him into movies. Um, and the man is undefeated in all his street fights. Yes. And you can even tell by just watching the way he actually performs in these, in any of the fight scenes, in any of the movies he's in, you can see it, that the way he's constantly looking around, the, the uh, proverbial head on a swivel, that is how an actual person who's actually used to actually fighting people actually looks when they're fighting. And that's because it's not acting. It, it's it's it, him. It, it is him being relying on his actual instincts which we still need to watch one versus 100 too uh no it's 400 versus one crazy samurai we still need to watch that with a 72 minute a continuous one take fight scene oh man yeah we need to watch that yes it's that's um i have it i haven't watched it yet though yeah we need to watch it so yes it it basically stars takasakuchi as a um what the heck is his name um I know you don't know, but I can't remember the name of the samurai that he actually depicted. Mitsu, Mitsuroshi? Something like that. Nobunaga? No, No, it wasn't Nobunaga. It wasn't Musashi, was it? Musashi, yes. No, it was Musashi. Uh, Yeah, because uh, (coughs) we're getting off on a little tangent here on it, but um, it's essentially the point where he ends up fighting the entire school because they're (laughs) they're trying to take him down for the bounty. 
And wow. so it's all 400 members of this school are trying to take him down. And so he's fighting all of them. And this is a one, one take continuous fight scene. So the moment he starts fighting, that is all being filmed all one time. No, no cuts in there. It's him just constantly going. I can't imagine the amount of so seventy-two minutes it would take to coordinate all of the people coming in and fighting. Him. He he coordinated everything. Yes, he was he, the head sto- stunt coordinator for it. And he is also he um before we need to watch that other one too. The one before that, which one? Uh, Recode or oh, Ghost? God, I got Red? Oh yeah, I know what you're talking. Re-ghost, about. Ghost? Yeah, I gotta find that. Reborn? Yeah, thank you. Reborn. But yes, so Takasaguchi. Um, he's in lots of other random movies. He he's made ca- some cameos in other things. He's also was a stunt coordinator for uh, Common Rider series as well. So um, as we know it in the U.S. as uh, Masked Rider. Masked Rider. That's it. Thank you. Well, also because we had Masked Rider originally, yeah. then they did Common um, Rider Dragon Knight, which was the um, it was simulcast with in Japan as. Um, Common Rider, Common Rider Ryuga. Yes. So. Some type. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yes, Death Strands is, <laughs> uh, uh, the story revolves around essentially this guy who's dragging around this coffin, and uh, he apparently everyone wants this coffin because uh, supposedly whoever has this coffin, when it opens, will get their wish granted, and he essentially just wants to fight the the big bad god demon thing, whatever is supposed to come out of it, just to prove how badass he is. And that's why he's dragging around this coffin. Because he wants to fight them when they come out. Yep. Alright, so I'm gonna have to make this quick because it's almost getting close to that time. Yes. So I have three more. Two that are old school, one that's a little more modern. The first old school one I have to talk about is going to be the five deadly venoms. Nice. Yep, the original. Granted, I could add in Five Deadly Venoms, Cripple Avengers, because that would be the second one in the sequel or in the trilogy, because there's actually a third one that I haven't seen yet. Um, that was more introduction of insect or poisonous style martial arts. So the second one, and it is a Jackie Chan movie, but it's also a Wu Yong Ping and Sammo Hung movie. Mm-hmm. Meals on Wheels. Yes. Because that had the introduction of Benny the Jet Yurikides as one of the villains. And that fight scene was absolutely phenomenal between him and Jackie. They were just going. And then the final movie that I have to just put out there. And more or less, it's one of those eccentric taste type martial arts movies. Because some people are like, eh. But me, I was like, okay, you know, it was actually pretty cool. And that was actually Surf Ninjas. <laughs> surf Ninjas. Honestly, a little comedy. I mean, Ernie Reyes Jr. playing a surfer kid, finding out that he's a prince to some country, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it was actually pretty funny for his time. To me, Surf Ninjas was actually better than Three Ninjas. Especially... Especially three ninjas on mm-hmm. high new mountain with oh well we get Hulk Hogan yeah agree. yeah we don't talk about that one <laughs> we just like how we don't talk about Bruno anyways. we don't talk about Bruno but anyways you know this has definitely been very insightful for all the different martial arts movies we like and we're definitely going to do this in season six but I think we're going to do a spin on it oh 
Gonna put a spin on it. Fighting games. Ooh. Mm. There we go. And and you also forgot one thing about Surf Ninjas. And it was based was, on the video game too. Not just mm. that, but uh, uh, one of my lustless people were part of that movie as well. Rob Schneider. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> you know his sexy little. Yeah. <laughs> no, Kelly Hugh. Yep. She she played the the princess girl. Yep. Mm. Yes, yeah. Romy. Yep. yep. Not to be confused with the lettuce. <laughs> but anyways, gentlemen, thank you all for joining me on this episode. As always, it's definitely been a pleasure. Yes, you're welcome. Good so actually, we have to do proper outros just as we do proper intros. <laughs> I would like to thank the OG, the man, the myth, the legend, Monkey, for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me again. I would like to thank the the Viking experience here, the vanilla, <laughs> the velvety vanilla JJ Walkies for joining. Glad I could help. And I would like to thank the Sexual Chocolate Internet Wonderland, D Twizzle, for joining. Oh, yeah, no problem. No problem at all. And I'd also like to thank the lovely Miss Sally Stitch for joining, although she hasn't been on the mic only except for once. But we'll make sure that she's on the next episode whenever we get a chance. Yeah. She's smiling. She's happy. So and let's just enjoy the rest of this night because this has been another episode of Cheshire's Place. A looking glass and a logical madness. I have been your host, the melodious one, Mr. Cheshire. And just as my namesake, the Cheshire Cat. I am everywhere, yet nowhere. And we're going to have this song close us out real quick. God. Because I can. And it's still part of fair use. I'll fair use you in a second. Just because. Relax. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, cut it keep, off. Keep training. My ears are bleeding. Please record us to uh, Twitter. Please don't. Please. Anyways. Honestly, I would never close us out with that song. We're going to do it the Call right Space way. Daddy. Please call Space please Daddy. Please. Space Daddy probably loves this song. But, anyways, have a good night. Mm-hmm.